a Shishkin Productions podcast. You have your radio recording devices on? Get them on. It happens all over the world. People come together, kicking a soccer ball around, and it's a great uniter. Find me. I don't care anymore. Drain my bank account. I don't give a shit anymore. Okay? Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Calling All Casuals. We got a full house today, so the energy should hopefully be good. Hopefully be a little higher. We need a little extra energy. I'm hungover. Amy's hungover. I'm just tired. Producer Eric's here. Producer Jordan's here. I'm just over. We have a live studio (laughs) audience also in the background, so this shit is nuts. As always, I'm Alexi on my quest to become the second uh, most important Alexi in uh, uh, soccer coverage in the U.S. And then we got the... Uh, I'm Amy, the uh, the resident casual, yeah, you know. The, the titular casual. Still casual. Probably more casual this week than ever, really. Yeah. I'm producer Eric. I'm back. I was in hi- hibernation <laughs> summer, in, summer in hibernation. the off season. I'm like summer a vacay. reverse bear. Oh, you're no. just like the fucking Premier League guy. Like, if there's yeah. no Premier League, you're out. You know? I was as about soon to, as it's oh, back, Oh, that is interesting. Back. It's back now. You're back. I was about hmm. to say, I've, I've awoken... And I'm starving for some prem. I try to. I try <laughs> to get time him. Time to feast. I try to get him on some MLS shit, and he never wants to participate. Look, he even shows up in Chelsea, bro. Ooh. I got to get you a Portland Timbers jersey. Oh God, no! He, he dabbles in the MLS. I don't know if it's who are, who are you? Be. Producer I'm, Jordan. I'm producer Jordan. Yes, <laughs> I, I am oh, producer God. Eric's plus who one. Who are you? The um, RSVP plus one. I'm I'm happy that you guys are in the studio because I feel like it's nice to have extra people on the show. Yeah. So I'm I'm very pumped that you guys are here. Uh, okay, let's get into this thing. Uh, last week, what were we excited about? I don't even remember what we put here. Um, oh, for Eric, it was Premier League season. Whoop. For you, you said Brighton versus Luton. Yeah. I know you watched every single minute. I did not watch every <laughs> single minute. <laughs> However, oh, I did watch the highlights. It, and, it you know, they, they got... They got a goal, so. Oh my god! Really they lost. Oh my god! The, really the pen, the pen was so they weren't soft. Good. I, I literally watched. Was they weren't. Zero they weren't great. But I'm really most excited for their first home match, but which which which, <laughs> which got, got canceled fun, because yeah. the arena isn't Premiership ready yet. It yeah. got canceled. So where are in, they playing? In game week two, they don't play. They have a blank, which will have to get rescheduled. So that's like what a, a the big fuck? thing. Yeah, it's not ready yet. What? I mean, I'm not fuck? surprised. Amy, it's you've not seen ready. the stadium. Yeah, though, I have. Right? That's like why I'm in like in someone's backyard. Yeah, it's so. literally in like it's a residential. Wait, wait, like area. I don't even know. And also on the other side of it, there's like it looks like a highway, like a, oh, yeah. bit, a big roadway. So like, it, how can they even expand? How did they cancel it? <laughs> because it's not it's not ready. You, but you why, can't why don't they just switch it to an away match? Yeah, why don't they just play somewhere else? Has this ever happened? You can't do that. I'm I'm shocked. I'm actually shocked. You have to have all of your home games at the arena away games at other people's places you can't just like reschedule to like a random place well now what are they going to do they're going to reschedule to a it'll time have, that's going to congest it'll the have schedule to get, yeah, more ex- well exactly I mean, it'll so, have to get rescheduled it might be like a double game week or something we oh don't my know goodness. yet. But, i mean uh, sometimes they'll play at wembley if it's like some weird no, circumstance. i don't know man I don't, I don't know if that's ever happened Luton at un- wembley un- un- unless <laughs> Luton at wembley week two. Oh my god bro yeah that'd be something um i was excited for pessy versus charlotte um, and Pessy Pessied all over the place. So he, he <laughs> fucked him up and he's in the final leagues cup. We'll get into it. Amy, give the social plugs real quick and then we'll all get right, to guys, the real meat of the show. The real meat of the show. Um, but before that, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Calling Casuals. You can find us on TikTok. Uh, Calling All Casuals on TikTok. And of course, old school style, send us an email. We are calling all casuals at gmail.com. That's right. A big shout out 
to Debo, who was a guest a few, was it last week? A few weeks ago? Uh, last week. Two weeks. He posted, he's been posting some of uh, our stuff yeah. on the MLS District TikTok channel. So check that out. It's the place to be. Uh, we got our first hater, which I was like, ooh, I'm, I can't handle this. Mentally, I'm not strong enough. I told Jordan, I said, Jordan, you should run Send them my way, You're, not, you're, you're, just way. you're supposed haters. to ignore the haters. You I know? actually told I know him, you engaged. Almost I engaged. You engaged in the haters. <laughs> well, I agreed with him. That's what you got to do. <laughs> Kill them with kindness. They go, the show sucks. You're like, damn straight. Don't listen, bro. We don't need you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you don't like right. it, you don't have to listen. Yeah. Um, okay, last week's picks. Uh, last week's picks, man. You know, we only had eight, I think, eight picks. Is that right? Um, and producer Eric got six of them right. Incredible performance. Ooh. But but he got the score wrong for one of them. So Amy <laughs> got six right flawlessly, and Amy won. Amy is now at 10 wins on the season, leading the way. I got eight wins. Producer Eric trailing with three, but we believe in him. He can still, still come back. Um, into the news and tea we go. Why don't uh, Eric? Why don't you pick one to kick us off? You're back. We like having um, you here. Yeah, of, of course. I'm gonna kick things off with talking to the mic, bro. With some Leo Messi news <laughs> and ticket prices, which is uh, an ongoing ongoing theme that yeah. we've heard over and over again. But um, prior to the match with Inter Miami and Philadelphia Union in the League's Cup, um, the Union head coach. Uh, was pleading with the fans <laughs> not to resell their tickets and to actually show up and support the team. Yeah, which I think is just absolutely embarrassing. That's the fir- <laughs> that's the first time I've ever seen a coach actually come out and and plead with his own fans to show up to the match. I, yeah, I, I agree. That is I'm, quite you know, embarrassing. You, you know my stance on that. It's, fucking it's atrocious, man. These guys are are plastic fans. Exactly. Like, how are you not going to show up and exactly. support your team? Just, I will say, gonna... when Messi joined, we did paint the studio pink. That was like our <laughs> our whole thing. But um, no, I'm, I, but I agree with you. That shit, that shit is fucked up. Like you, it pisses me off to no end when they're playing an away match. And then it cuts to fans in the stands and wearing it's all pink shirts. Wear, yes. oh, no, it's not even that. It's Argentina <laughs> wearing Argentina. Oh, and it's just God. like Argentina's not even playing, bro. Like, what? <laughs> why are you wearing Argentina shirt? It's Miami versus Philly, or it's like Miami versus fucking Real Salt Lake in the middle of Utah, and motherfuckers come out here with Argentina shirts. Come on, bro. Mm. Like that shit's lame. They're just you know, like some people are fans of the player, and they'll yeah. follow them anywhere. Well, so. I mean, there was the the great scenes at the USA Mexico match where you had that little boy wearing the. The, oh, the USA oh, kid in yeah. the Mexico headband, and as soon as the USA scored, he yanked the headband off, and he was kissing the bat. Yeah, that the was USA funny. Kid. It's funny because if, both it, if a kid does it, <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. If a kid does it, it's funny. If a grown adult does it, it's it's disappointing. Immature. It's immature. How dare you? How dare he? <laughs> How dare they fucking support not the home team or whatever? Yeah. Um, also, also, I I just want to comment on, on this uh, a little bit more. It um with. All this happening, like, you know that no one cares about the MLS. Like, everyone just wants to see Leo Messi. First of all, it's not the MLS, okay? <laughs> They've been working for years to shed the the. No one cares about MLS. Say it right, okay? No one cares about MLS, bro. I so mean... Everyone is just here to see Leo Messi play. And so, what's going to happen when he leaves? Um, Everything will go back to normal. <laughs> no one's gonna care. Thank God, dude. The profile <laughs> of the league will not be raised. I was, I, I'm with you. I think it's, it's is cool. It a good it's thing cool in the short term. Or is it a bad thing? I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was like, 
it's growth. And I said it's growth, but at what cost? Is it though? Is, is it, it really is growth? It? It's just inflation. It's and come just back a down. shot in the yeah. arm for this. Like you know, however long he's here, it, people are gonna go nuts. They're gonna spend three thousand dollars to see him play, and then when he leaves, it's it's, it's money. It's that. Yeah. It's core. It's a little bit of but, money. But I mean. It could still have a positive impact. Like I, if sure more will, if yeah. more players end up coming over here and hey. there is more, you know, international attention, it is inflated right now and some of that's gonna, you know, gonna come down. But I think I think the effect could still be positive overall. I've changed my tune on this shit a little bit over the last like year. Um I think that the way for MLS to compete on the global scale, and I'm actually all for this now, is remove the salary cap. Get the salary cap out. Like let just let let them spend because yeah. the only reason we don't get more talent is because well, the rules are so messed up that like you have to jump through all these financial fair play hoops. Yeah, and you can't afford to to bring talent in. Um, but you know, Messi coming actually has attracted people. Antoine Griezmann said that he wants to come to MLS. It's all of his boys, bro. Yeah, it's just all, all, all of Leo Messi's boys. boys. Here, it's yeah. not really anyone else. But I just like. That's the thing is when someone like Griezmann is like, yo, I want to come to MLS. And to be fair, he said he'd been saying it for years. He's like, I I want to end my career in MLS. And mm-hmm. I've said that. But it's like, I hope that he can go to a club and like make it his own. Not yeah, just not come go, join up with fucking Leo go to or whatever. And that's yeah. what I have a problem with. I want to end my career at the MLS. No one's coming here to start their careers. Facts. So people coming here to end their careers... Nothing has changed in the past 30 years. We've been bringing over Pele, Beckenbauer, all these guys to yeah. end their careers here. That was, that's 50 years, by the way. Just 50 to, years? Sorry. God, so how old am I? Yeah, Jesus there you go. <laughs> that's kind of, kind of crazy. Yeah, that's dating years. myself. Are you bit. over 50, Jordan? Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, yeah, I got a colonoscopy coming up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's why he couldn't make it for a while. He's been having some flare-outs. That stuff they make oh. you drink is what, no here, it, Stop. Here's the thing, okay? We have young talent, and we export it. It just never goes anywhere that's right. the thing like yeah. think about all the players who've gone over like uh brendan aronson right uh paxton aronson i think just earned a move somewhere did he not um brian reynolds right like john luca busio we we have young talent who perform well then they go and, and to me you know, honestly you gotta let their careers pan out i gotta see they're, they're not all trending in the right direction but it's you can't make it you can't make it a selling league or a growth league overnight. Again, it just takes generations. Yeah. And, to, and to, for us to even be considered a selling league, we, we would need to completely revamp the pipeline from the youth system to the MLS. Yeah. It's non-existent right now. It's true. It's just like, you know, you either have to pay, you're eight years old and you have to pay five grand to play travel soccer, yeah. or you have to go somewhere overseas. And then, you know, hopefully if, you know, your career doesn't fizzle out before you're 15, you can actually make a name for yourself it's a pay to play and then the just the geography of the country it's yeah. it's tough it's tough um what do you guys think you guys haven't been on since any of the saudi arabia shit really so i don't know what what are your takes on it neymar just signed yeah what do you think Neymar I like talk about what they're doing bit. in saudi arabia is you know kind of what, a mls on on, on steroids yeah yeah right? it's it's mls on, with on no breaks bro yeah it's on crack. So what do you M- think? MLS on crack. I think it's unsustainable. Well, we saw this. Uh, what was that? China. It happened, like China. China. Yeah. China yeah. it happened in China, and it all went bust because they realized that everyone who was playing on their teams was an international player, and so all the Chinese guys weren't playing. The national team was was terrible, and they're just like, how are all of our guys supposed to play when we're just importing all these players who are earning a fortune, who don't care about us, our league, our culture, like. Uh, Carlos Tevez, 
Yeah. He went over there. When he went over there, he was the highest paid player in the world. He arrived overweight, <laughs> didn't, didn't give a shit, yeah, did not didn't play well. He he called it a vacation. Yeah. And he swiftly returned back to Argentina to just keep enjoying his lavish life. I mean, so, it seems like right now all the players who are there are probably having a good time. I mean, if you're getting paid that much. Yeah, and all the only reason they're heading over there is to make a shit ton of money. They don't really want to live there. Yeah, it's that not. That is obvious. They're not going to stay long term. No, it's just, no, no. It's the culture shock alone is yeah. just insane. The like, craziest thing I read was when Ronaldo went over there because he's got you know kids with his girlfriend. This is not his wife. They had to bend the laws a little oh, bit to I allow him this. to live with her right because it's not his wife they were just they like, weren't married well, isn't that, isn't that the whole life. thing with neymar as well yeah. they've made an exception allowed neymar to live with his girlfriend yeah, yeah. i'm so glad he went to the camel league like <laughs> wow good riddance yeah. to that guy bro neymar <laughs> good riddance i would say neymar might be like a in my opinion like a top five like he could like still. F- he he just he, flamed out his career never yeah. got he, what it he, he could easily still play at the the top level but he's just He's just a scumbag. I, I can't stand the guy. Yeah. I mean, Pele made a really good feel. point. He said, you could be the next me if you could just, you know, stay on your feet, keep yourself fit, and just stop being a baby about everything. It's true. And it's just like so much of the game is happening in your head. Like, you know, once you get to that level, it is only fractions of a percentage, you know, ability-wise – so much of the game is just happening in your head. You look at a guy like Messi, and you can just look at him and just see that he is not like the rest of us. He is on a total different plane Smaller. of existence. He's tinier. <laughs> right. But even even in comparison to a guy like Ronaldo, who's what, like six foot three, just an athletic specimen, uh-huh. to be, in my opinion, better than a guy like that is mean it's so, everything is happening in your brain. You know, it's quantum computing at that point. It's kind of like how we do the show. You know, <laughs> yeah. Ours, uh, we're 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 operating at light speed over here too. <laughs> um, I don't know. There, we have some other stuff on this rundown. I don't think we need to touch on it because the show is fucking packed in the next couple segments. Because I wrote way too much. Um, so, do you guys have anything you want to touch yeah, on before PhD we go to break? Thesis in here, man. What's uh, this Harry Kane article I see here? Well, uh, yeah. So <laughs> Harry Kane went to Germany, right? Um, so Amy, how much do you know about Harry Kane? Not much. He's, Just like from the little bit we've talked so about him on like the Pop 11. He's known for being like he's a the mush- golf guy, right? Uh, or, no, I'm that thinking of somebody Bale. else. Yes. Thinking, but that's Bale. Harry Kane is like uh, England's like prized like goal scorer, right? Yeah, prized striker. He obviously has never really left England, and it's rare for English players to even to leave England usually, yeah. um, especially when they're that you know that big, that impressive. Uh, Harry Kane can barely speak English. He's known for being like a, a mush mouth kind of like, you know, sort of like a dumb jock kind of okay. guy. And so he just made a move to Bayern Munich. And it, it's kind of crazy because like there was always rumors, oh, he might go to City or he might go to United or whatever. Instead, he went to Germany, to Bayern Munich. Uh, in his, and, you know, he's got a there's like a curse on Tottenham. They don't win trophies. Mm-hmm. Bayern win everything. Yeah, so this first match he played. The f- was for a trophy. It was for the uh, what was it like the community? Their version of the Community Shield. The they played Dortmund and they lost. Was it three 0 
And, uh, it was against Leipzig. Leipzig. So sorry, now sorry. are people Leipzig. saying he's like cursed or something? Well, he did come on at like the hour mark. He was. He didn't yeah. start the match. People are like, yeah, Harry Kane's cursed, but also he had a chance to instantly win a trophy, like as a sub heading over there. Like he literally just got there, and he instantly had a chance to, to win be the, fair. Leipzig, win the trophy. Leipzig played amazing. And Danny, they get trounced. Danny Olmo, fucking beast, bro. I, yeah, I love he, that guy. He's incredible. Um, but here's the thing. I put I put Kane can't speak <laughs> German because here's the the thing. Like there was one uh, angle of uh, a controversial call, and the German guys like go up to the ref, the Byron guys, and Harry Kane comes up and he realizes like I, I can't I don't speak German, <laughs> so he's like just standing there like looking because he doesn't speak German, and uh, it, it, you know. We always talk about, oh, transfers this, transfers that. Like, why are they going here? Sometimes it's just as simple as, like, can you speak the language? Can you communicate? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, like, I wonder why he went there. Like, imagine going to China. If you don't speak Chinese and everyone else around you does, you're going to be like, damn, dude, like. Well, you do have instances, and I'm sure producer Eric can speak on this, where you have coaches who learn a particular language to bring in a certain type of football or Shakhtar a few years ago. Um, a while ago. Not a few years ago. I'm old. 50 we years had, ago. Yeah, God. <laughs> My dementia is fully this kicked in. This guy's 50 years old out here. Oh, oh I am. <laughs> yes, like, remember, so. uh, remember when England beat West Germany like last year? <laughs> <laughs> you guys remember that wall coming down? <laughs> Wait, but what's so, who, who was it? Someone learned a language Luchescu. Luchescu. It was our legendary Romanian coach. He actually learned Portuguese in order to be able to communicate with all of the Brazilian talent that they were importing from Brazil. And, so. and I mean, in those, what, five, six years, Shakhtar were world beaters. They were going to every Champions they League. They were amazing. They're always in Champions League, holding their own, like, a Ukrainian club against, like, all these giants. It was amazing to watch. It sounds like a pretty impressive uh, time for Shakhtar, and I think maybe you, you could write a deep dive about them. Take some of the work off my God, I'm it, doing your job for you, man. <laughs> It would get way too political. I don't know if I can handle that. I think I think I think we can all handle it. I think it would be great. We'll think yeah, about it. We'll, we'll, we'll about see. We'll it. see. We'll see. Um, anything else you guys want to say before we go to break? Um, yes. Um, hit us up on the electronic email and let us know if you guys want the deep dive on the shack there. Yes. I, I think our inbox is still. I think we might have a empty. few. A few. There's room. <laughs> There's a couple spots left. There's, room. There's, There's a, a couple few spots left. A few spots left. <laughs> this is Eric's like empty. Inbox. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we have Amy's big question, and we got a new segment called "Who the fuck is." Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. We are back. We're back with the educational segment of oh, the yeah. show, um, where I ask a question and. Everyone else answers it. Before you ask, yeah. can I just last week you asked or whatever it was a couple weeks ago, you said, uh, who would be the player who you want to yes. play a pickup game with? Yes. And producer Eric and producer Jordan today they showed up a little late. They rushed through the door. They fucking kicked the door down <laughs> and we're like, We have answers. Yeah. And we were like, You should have been on the show. Yeah. Then you could have fucking told us. Yeah. So but what 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 are answers. your answers? Real quick oh, before God. we get to Okay, real. okay, real quick little rundown I want to play with Johan Cruyff the guy is a freaking legend he created total football which is just you you play anywhere in the pitch it's all about passing moving recognizing where the space is recognizing where all your players are so that if you need to you can drop back and cover in f for them and that's how I play when I play 
my football. You that's know? how I play. He goes, he goes, that's how I play. I have endless stamina. I can play every position. <laughs> I drop in. I help. I cover. I score well, goals. Well, I pass. Well, okay. well, hold on. Okay, hold on. he does it all. <laughs> Let me rephrase it. That's how I try to play, but it, it doesn't go. always work out like that, t- to be fair. And Johan Cruyff, um, he would smoke tons of cigs. He, 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 would, <laughs> he would have one prior to the match, I think halftime, and then after the match as well. So he was he was pretty. That's actually incredible he that he could smoke that much. Pretty in, addictive. So. Yeah, um, he's he's a legend, and he he would also show up to the pitch with his boots and a paper bag. So. <laughs> Love that. Uh, okay, so you got Cruyff. Who who do you have? So, I was gonna jump on the Ronaldinho bandwagon. Thank you, because Ronaldinho, like you mentioned, was we can't, just a joy we can't to play have with. Everyone choosing but, Ronaldinho. <laughs> but <laughs> come on, that's but, the answer. Because he's, I know got, I'm gonna hear caveat. about it the whole car ride home. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone with Chavi Hernandez. Okay. Chavi Hernandez is one of those players who has eyes not just in the back of his head, but he's like a fly. They're all he, over he's his head. Co- he's <laughs> covered in eyes. Yeah. <laughs> he even looks like a lizard. He, and he does, right. He looks like a chameleon. His eyes, I'm pretty sure, move independently of each other, and that's how he can see all over the place. But to play with someone like that who can just see the game 10 steps ahead, I think would be absolutely When amazing. you are asked that question about who would you play pickup with, what is the game that pops up in your head? For me, it's it's five aside, small goals, no goalies. Yeah, that's why I pick Ronaldinho because like, it, it seems like for you it's like eleven aside. Or a full, no, 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 no. Not no? for you aside. it's five aside as well. Yeah, after yeah. like a pack of cigarettes and a couple of beers, Corey ain't <laughs> playing eleven. Because there's, I mean, cause the, <laughs> he's, he's not gonna last very long. <laughs> when, the way you talk about total football and all this movement, it makes it seem like it's a bigger thing, you know, with the smaller. Well, well games. No, th- that's a lot easier to do on a smaller pitch, though, yeah, because for sure. you, because there's. Less distance. I say less running, but there's actually more running because you you could head up and then come back. But that's why I like. um, That's why I pick Ronaldinho is because it's such. It's it's about like the tight spaces and the close control. Like that's what's interesting. He's just gonna hog the ball and he's gonna make it all about himself. And yeah, that's not fun for anyone. But then we go get drinks afterwards. That's the (laughs) part. Um, All right, Amy. Have a sig with Johan Cruyff afterwards (laughs) and a bunch of drinks, bro. Like. Everyone's what, doing that. What uh? What is the actual question? What is the actual question? Well, I you know I might have sourced this from one of our live studio audience members. That's right. That's right. Um, I asked uh, Michelle. I said, "What is one soccer question you have?" And basically, her question was, "You know, like in." other sports like football or basketball before a player like I don't know takes takes a free throw throw, or does something where they're like preparing for it they usually have a little thing they do like you know Durant always shakes his shoulder like like, some sort of routine routine where they like dribble the ball a certain amount of times so it does that exist in soccer and if so what are some of like your favorite routines that you can think of the number one thing that comes to mind for me and it's not even my favorite it's just like what comes to mind for me is uh just players taking a like a grass touch the grass and crossing yourself entering the pitch yeah but I, but that's like before the match starts that's like on the when they get subbed the in okay or that's what i've always thought yeah. at least but I, I personally can't really think of any routines or because like I guess when would it happen like before you're taking a free kick right that's when true yeah you can that do type free of kick or before thing. a pen it happens a lot on pens yeah, yeah. yeah. so I've gone down this rabbit hole of just like not particularly to soccer but just in sports in general uh-huh. player superstition um, and apparently baseball has. Yeah, the worst type. They of do a lot of a lot of different yeah. body movements. I but feel my favorite one ha- in soccer. 
I think, at least to me, the funniest one was, I forget what match it was. I forget who the player even was. He was getting subbed onto the field, and um, he was a Muslim player, so he's praying. He's got his hands up in front of him. And the player coming off the field, he's clapping the fans <laughs> as he's walking off. He sees the player in front of him with his arms out. He smacks both hands, goes in for a hug and a kiss, and walks off the pitch. And the player who was praying was just kind of like, what just happened? And he was still praying, He was, still praying. He he was unfazed. He was totally unfazed. That's to me, it was hilarious. the funniest thing I've ever seen because it, those guys were on two completely different wavelengths, and it was just hilarious to watch happen in That's real time. That's pretty funny. It's, uh, it, there's a lot of religious stuff in soccer. There's always a lot yeah. of religious stuff. I think one other maybe ritual is... And again, it goes, it still pens, but goalkeepers sometimes will do kind of interesting things on pens, whether it's like jumping up and smacking the crossbar to shake the bar or uh, some, like, remember the guy in League's Cup who was just oh, doing crazy, yeah, like, like mime miming shit or whatever. And he was uh, doing sometimes goalkeepers jump around, you know, like, yeah. they'll, because I'm kind of wondering, like, yeah, he put on a master class of shithousery. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not hilarious. like a, a routine, though. Yeah, it's not, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, as I have, I have trouble. Well, yeah, that's I just guess, like mind games. Yeah. I'm yeah. I mean, I guess if you're going up to like take a, I don't know. I'm just do do any of them like do certain things with their feet or Ronaldo take, always like, stands a certain like amount of in like, a crazy triangle stance. Like Ronaldo stands like like this. Yeah, he has, oh. he has that wide stance. I know that that uh, that's like come the power stance yeah. or something. Yeah, he does that. Then he takes a deep breath. Then he skies it over the fucking <laughs> yeah. crossbar instantly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and every single time now too. Pretty much. <laughs> Pay attention to like penalty kicks and free kicks. You see yeah. a lot of like the weird quirks come out. Yeah. Oh, Jorginho on his oh pen, he does a, he a runs, donkey hop. He runs up and he does a donkey hop. That is what he called drives it. me nuts. Yeah. He, j- he jumps up and he lands on one foot and then he kind of hesitates a little bit and then kicks the ball. Oh, so that's fun. Weird. He's okay, basically so waiting exist. for the goalie to go one direction before he kicks it. But the problem with that is you lose all kicking power if you do that. Right, because you're like It's essentially like, like a pass then. Yeah. yeah. And so then the, after he's assessed like which way the keeper's heading, he just places it right in the opposite corner does it work out <laughs> well you know, people people say he's a really great penalty taker but i've seen him miss that's, that's I, my you're a chelsea I, fan i right? have as well but he he converts a lot of his chances like that a he's lot a, of pens are converted like that and it's annoying to see because it looks absolutely ridiculous <laughs> and i hate it with a passion in my head he's always a chelsea player i don't know that's just how he is no no no, 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 no. arsenal can have him no, he's, <laughs> he's gonna i'm tired of right chelsea trash yeah, Jorginho dude. and kai havertz. <laughs> havertz um any other things on the uh, rituals no. You guys ready to move on to who the fuck is? <laughs> who the fuck is? I think we're ready. I'll tell you where this segment came from. So for this week's Pop 11, I decided to do cult heroes, and I had so much fun researching it that one of the cult heroes who's uh, in that list, I just decided to do a whole segment about him. So who the fuck is is where you just deep dive on a player. It's like, yeah. a, it's like a biography. Um, and this guy today, who the fuck is? Robin Friday. I Rob- like the name. What a name. What a name and what an absolute legend. Uh, I was so close to captaining Robin Friday for this cult hero 11 this week because um, he's definitely he's basically the definition of a cult hero. Now, we'll get into this more in the next one. But for me, a cult hero is someone who is not like an all star, not a superstar. They're just like a legend at that club. Yeah. And if you say it to anyone else, they probably won't know. But if you're a fan of Reading, where he played a lot, you'll know, right? 
Um, he was a bad boy. He was a, like a, the first like punk rock footballer. And by all accounts, he had the talent to be much bigger than he was. And that is why he is the birth of this new segment. All right. Friday, he's a hero for Reading for Cardiff. He was named Reading's best ever player three times. Wow. Uh, psychologically, Friday was strange, to say the least. He aimed to spook opposing players. He would kiss them or fondle their <laughs> testicles. Oh, yeah. Woo! That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> a teammate of his once said these tricks uh, would completely throw defenders and affect their concentration. Uh, Friday believed in doing anything to win, saying, on the pitch, I hate all opponents. I don't give a damn about anyone. People think I'm mad, a lunatic. I am a winner. Oh. Um, yeah, we'll see if he's a winner. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> technically, he was one of a kind. He was not only strong and fast, but his touch and control were amazing, as was his ability to score goals. He played in the late 60s into the early 70s, so you got to think he's playing like low, kind of lower-level football in England in the late 60s, early 70s. This gives you context, right? Uh, on top of all of that, like not only could he attack and score goals, but he could also track back and defend, and he was one of the best tacklers on his team. Uh, there were stories of his talent from a young age. His father said, 10-year-old Robin could flick an orange up onto his neck, balance it, and then let it roll back down his body and catch it on his foot. Wow. He did the orange test, you know? <laughs> he would be a TikTok star now, but he turned <laughs> into true. a fucking footballer. <laughs> At age 13, his skill caught the eye of producer Eric's team, Chelsea. But his discipline, much like producer Eric, was lacking. Oh, man. <laughs> the slander. <laughs> to your faces, time. I uh, this like is, it. This is from Wikipedia. Friday's individual style of play and refusal to change his game resulted in each of these clubs, it was multiple clubs, but this one's Chelsea, losing patience with him. According to his brother, Robin was better as a goalkeeper than a forward. He was a brilliant goalkeeper. He had no fear, but he obviously preferred banging them in at the other end. Around this time, Robin became interested in music, dancing, and attending concerts. He also had a talent for drawing, but he abandoned that interest at age 15. Uh, and Robin became more outgoing and started taking drugs in his mid-teens. At 15, he left school, and he became a plasterer. A plasterer. So maybe uh, some like blue-collar job where you're plastering yeah, walls. Like yeah, like drywall and, and plaster. Yeah. So he's like a contractor, right? <laughs> yeah. um, he lasted two months as a plasterer. Before moving on to become first a van driver for a grocery firm, then a window cleaner. But he had a laid back attitude and, and he had he was very indifferent. And in his father's words, quote, he didn't care. So, you know, he didn't stick around to any of these jobs. He just bopped around. Eventually, around this time, he started stealing things and theft became a thing. He was stealing <laughs> car radios. Uh, yeah. And then at age 16, he eventually like got sent to a juvenile detention facility. Okay. While in this juvenile detention facility, this prison, he started training, he got fitter, and he made the prison soccer team where he was like an all-star. Uh, he was so good that it led to him being allowed to leave prison to train with Redding's youth team and then come back to prison. So he'd get wow. like bust from prison to training and then he'd have to come back to prison. That's <laughs> some rock and roll shit right Dude, there. Dude, this man. guy is nuts. 
And this is, he's 16. I was going to say, and you got to be upset if you're one of those kids on the team, like, busting your ass, and they're bringing some kid out of jail. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. <laughs> also in training. I would be intimidated. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, dude, I'd be like, I don't want to defend shit. him. What are you, nuts? It's scary. He's on my team. Like, oh, shit, that's the prison kid. Yo, you, you, you got to mark the, the prison You got to mark the prison kid. Uh, yo, coach, my hamstring, though. I'm like, hurt. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm hurt. Yeah, I can't hurt. go today. I can't go today. Uh, at age 17, he gets out of prison. And he has a baby with his girlfriend at the time, but his girlfriend was of mixed race, and that was very controversial at mm -hmm. that time. Uh, they even got attacked one night at a pub, uh, leading to a physical altercation. I don't know how it ended. I'm assuming Damn. Robin fucked him up, though. Probably. He's a fucking beast. Uh, his family disapproved of the marriage. They didn't attend the wedding, uh, and eventually the marriage fell apart. Uh, Robin was still taking narcotics and drinking heavily, and that probably had something to do with it. Around that time, this was 1969, uh, he gets a spot on a semi-pro team making 10 pounds a week. So this is 1969, wow. he's making 10 pounds a week, and this is kind of the beginning of his career. But it almost came to a sudden end, because later that year, he was working on a roof, and he fell off the roof and got impaled by a spike. Oh it went God. up. What? It went up through his butt, <gasps> through his stomach, Ooh. and narrowly missed oh. his lung. And he's on skewered on this spike. This oh. man is such a beast that he lifted himself off oh of this spike. Oh my God! And he recovered within three months. He got impaled. Bro. He got oh. impaled. He got wow. impaled in the ass. Yeah. And, and in three months was just through like, his stomach. Through his stomach. And then he the, he pulled himself off of the spike, bro. Oh, nah, this and guy's within, built different. He's built different. Nowadays, they don't make him like that. Soccer, <laughs> it's got, the game's gone soft, bro. <laughs> the game's gone soft. I've had a niggly hamstring for the past three <laughs> yeah. months that I can't recover from this. This guy impaled himself on a fucking massive spike it's and crazy, just brushed bro. it off. That's insane. It's insane, dude. And Neymar's out here rolling around. Neymar, yeah. you've been on a spike before. Crying, bro. Yeah. When he gets ass. touched. So, by this time, he was at a, a different semi-pro club, but he was drinking heavier than ever. He would show up late. He would miss matches sometimes. But one particular time, he showed up 80 minutes after kickoff. Ten minutes left in the match. He <laughs> shows up drunk. The match is still goalless. Uh, the manager goes, fuck it, puts him on, and Friday scores the winning goal. Hell drunk. yeah, dude. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Fucking amazing. So he always is performing, even if he's not really there. Uh, and this leads to his semi-pro club playing against Redding. And even though they lost, Redding's manager was like, this Robin Friday guy, he's not fucking bad. So Robin Friday signs a deal with Redding for half of what he was making as an asphalter at the time, because now he's working as like a paver. Okay. So this man is just still like a contractor at his core, you know? Um, so he decides, Redding go, hey, we'll give you a deal to play. And so he goes, fuck, I make twice as much money as an asphalter but I can be a pro soccer player, so I'll take the fucking... Wait, man, th that's that's crazy how, like, they just freaking lowballed him so hard. Like, yeah. half of what he was making... And he accepted an it just to be a, a I mean, pro footballer. It, it, was, it was the dream, you know? Uh, at Reading, Friday went really hard in training. He was going so hard, and he was kicking all of his teammates that they had to tell him to calm down because you're injuring your teammates. So this man was a beast. He never wore shin guards. How big was he? Like, I wonder if he That's was like a big guy. Great question. I don't know. I, you, yeah, give it, give it a look. Friday never wore shin guards, and Ooh. he was known for playing through any injury that he had, which makes sense. I mean, the man fucking pulled himself off of an impaled post or whatever. So uh, at this point, 
Robin Friday was banging in goals, and he was turning Redding's form around, but his teammates were getting a little bit sick of his off-the-field antics. Uh, he was still drinking heavily, but he specifically preferred Colt 45. <laughs> he, he loved wow. drinking Colt 45s. Drinking 40s? Hell so, yeah. So wild. Uh, he was causing a ruckus at local bars. He was kicked out of one bar for leaping from table to table and climbing up on the bar. Another pub in the area kicked him out on 10 separate occasions, but he was still coming back. There was one time when he uh, went to a club wearing an overcoat and boots and he uh, got out on the dance floor and then he took off his overcoat and he wasn't wearing anything under <laughs> it. So he just danced <laughs> naked in boots and uh, everyone thought it was really funny. Oh my God. <laughs> and uh, the club did not kick him out. They just had a laugh. Uh, so he was nuts. This guy is wild. He would He's love loose cannon. Loose cannon. They don't make them like this anymore. <laughs> he, he would listen to heavy metal and casually take LSD. Uh, but he still respected the boss. And when the, the manager at Reading said, hey, no drinking 48 hours before the match, he listened. He, oh, okay. so he didn't drink for two days. And yeah. the other five, he was only LSD then, right? LSD, <laughs> heavy metal. He had his fingers tattooed. And then he underwent surgery to remove the tattoos because I guess he didn't like them. I don't know oh. what he tattooed on there. Um, in, one, in the off season later that year, he joined a hippie commune. Didn't tell anyone. He just went off to a hippie commune. He missed all of preseason training. No one knew where the fuck he was. And then he showed up for their first friendly and outperformed everybody. He just came back from his hippie commune vacation. Centered his chakras, man. Immediately. Yeah, he centered his chakras. Hell yeah. And then he centered his sakuras. Ooh. Hey. Okay, all right, hold on. And so while he was still fucking crushing it, I mean, teammates obviously said his behavior is getting even more erratic. More erratic than going to the hippie commune. I don't know. Mm -hmm. There was an away trip where the bus was stopped near a graveyard. And Robin jumped out, uh, jumped the fence into the graveyard, pulled some like stone angel statues, little tiny ones. And he ran back on the bus and put them next to the sleeping chairman because the chairman was just taking a nap. So he put these like to make it look like he was dead or something. Oh, uh, the manager, the manager was like, bro, what are you doing? You can't do that. that Take like these. Take these statues, go put them back. In the bad juju, man. bad, yeah, bad, very, very bad, bad very bad energy. Um, on a different, on, on a different away trip, he was. They were at the hotel grounds, and he found a swan walking around. So he caught it, and he took it to the bar with. <laughs> 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 it's fucking insane. Um, <laughs> service animal. I just imagine he's like emotional support a swan, swan at the bar. At he just like bar. walks in with a swan. They're I'm, also huge. I'm changing my answer. I don't want to play with Johan Cruyff anymore. I want to play with this guy. <laughs> he's uh, my pick. Later that season, he scored a goal and he celebrated it by running up to a policeman and kissing him on the mouth. And they were afterwards, they were like, why did you do that? And he was like, well, it was raining and he looked sad and cold and I just Aww. wanted to give him a hug and kiss him. And then later, he changed his mind and said, I actually regret it because I hate coppers so much. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there you go, that's one. And that year, he won player of the year. <laughs> wow. Go on, son. Even with all of these fucking crazy antics. Uh, the following year, his great form continued, but so did the antics. At a dinner one night, they were just at a dinner in a hotel, um, and a teammate was like, man, I really like the wine glasses here. I got to get myself a set of these for uh, home. And he goes, oh, I got you. He got a box. He went around and collected all the wine glasses, and uh, he stole the wine glasses and gave them to the teammate the next day on the bus. Hey, man, I got you these. And he said you wanted them. Uh, and the teammate was like, he took them. He was like, God damn it, bro. But he took them. Uh, he was again named player of the year. Um, but the next year, Redding was going through some financial troubles, and they reduced everyone's wages. So that was the end of his time there. Uh, that summer, he got divorced from his wife, and he remarried someone else. 
The wedding was filmed by a local TV station, uh, and they filmed Robin wearing an open-necked tiger-skin patterned shirt, a brown velvet suit, and snakeskin boots. He was sitting on the steps of a church of the church and rolling a joint. <laughs> that, he, that sounds is like a Rick James baller. outfit. <laughs> yeah. He was, he had, he he had invited about two hundred people to his wedding and who joined in the drinking and the drug taking and they ended up fighting each other and stealing all of their wedding presents uh, one of which was a large quantity of cannabis and his wife later called the wedding quote the most hilarious thing ever <laughs> just a bit of banta in yeah. it <laughs> so he's out here you know causing a ruckus and he ends up being sold to Cardiff for about half price of what he's worth because at this point no one wants to deal with this shit yeah um he doesn't want to go to Wales. He's like, I don't want to go to fucking Wales. I don't want to go to Cardiff. Uh, but they ship him off anyways. When he arrives in Cardiff, immediately arrested when he gets off the train because he bought a train ticket for like one stop or something. He bought the wrong train ticket on purpose because he didn't want to spend move. the money. Uh. Um, and so he gets to Cardiff. He's immediately arrested. Uh, his first match, he plays amazing. And the Cardiff manager phones the Reading manager and says, Oh, Charlie, he was magnificent. He tore them inside out. Moore, as I think is Bobby Moore, was chasing him all over the place. And the Reading manager said, Jimmy, you've only had him four days. <laughs> give, it, give it a few months. <laughs> and so Robin Friday's form declined. And he, like I said, he hated being in Cardiff. Every week he would go back to London. And the way that he would do it is he would scam train tickets. So he would go knock on the door of the toilet and pretend he was the conductor. So he'd knock and go tickets and they'd be like, oh, just a second. He'd be like, just slide it under the door. And so they'd slide the ticket under the door. He'd grab it and he'd go to a different car. Genius. Oh and so, my God, that is genius. Yeah, and that would be his ticket. Um, he was still causing a ruckus, obviously. It's kind of his whole thing. At training, he punched a teammate in the jaw and uh, put him in a neck brace for two weeks. The reason was a goalkeeper had thrown a ball and accidentally hit him. Uh, with the ball because when he just threw it mm -hmm. out of the goal it hit him in the back of the head or something uh, Robin turned around and someone else like laughed because oh, he accidentally hit with the ball and that's the guy Robin just fucking <laughs> clocked oh yeah put him in a neck brace for two weeks uh, the next season again he didn't show up for preseason training because apparently he had been arrested for impersonating a police officer <laughs> and, and he got put in prison uh, he got bailed out he came back and in his first match he kicked a defender in the face and got sent off it was uh, Mark Mark Lawrence, I think, or Mark Lawrence or whatever his name is. He used to, he's a commentator for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, he kicked him in the face, and he got sent off. At this time, his second wife started divorce proceedings, and Friday decided to retire and move back to London. He said he was tired of people telling him what to do. So he moves back. Over 3,000 Reading supporters sign a petition to try to get him back on the team because they love him so much. And the new manager, at the because they had a new manager at this point, he contacts him and tells him, look, you're still fairly young. Like, if you just chill for a few years, you could still make the England team. Mm -hmm. And Friday responded by saying, by asking the manager how old he was. And so the manager responded, and Friday said, quote, I'm half your age, and I've lived twice your life. <laughs> and he Damn. hangs up the phone. Uh, he worked as an asphalter and as a decorator. He got married a third time, divorced a third time. He served another prison sentence for impersonating a police officer and because he would he needed drugs. So he would impersonate a police officer, confiscate people's At drugs. Oh point, my he God, should just become guy, a cop, man. This guy's um, hilarious. And then he was uh, finally found dead of a suspected heroin overdose Oof. at 38. 
Damn. So this man burned bright. Yeah. Uh, he's had two novels written about him, a song named after him, and he was voting Red. He was voted Redding's Player of the Millennium in 1999. A true cult hero. Yeah. Wow. Robin. That's, Friday. Yeah. This guy. Like, that's crazy. I like this guy. Yeah. He's like, nuts. He lived. I don't he know lived if I hard. Like him, but, he lived uh, <laughs> hard and fast. Like yeah. he doesn't sound like a bad person at all. Like he, you know, he's just wild. Oh, I mean, like he, he wasn't like he was by all intents and purposes a piece of shit he did a lot of fucked up shit to people but i mean like a guy like that you just keep at arm's length you don't ever, you don't want to get too close to it. amy's like more that. punk rock than you bro i guess so until <laughs> he steals your train ticket while you're in the bathroom he i seems, think that's hilarious <laughs> it's, it's it's so weird to me because like this kind of figure is someone where like if your team has him and he's scoring goals yeah. as a fan you're like yo i love this guy as a teammate, you're probably like, this guy is fucking nuts. Yeah, because I, I guess you probably guy. never, like, you never know what side of him you're going to get. Like, you know, you know. He's probably just so on, yeah, like, he's uh, just, like, unhinged. And, yeah. 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 You just Wild hope card. that you could just steer him in a direction that isn't going to fuck your shit up. Yeah. And fuck the other team. It's up. like, imagine you come into work and you have a coworker and they're just like, just nuts like that, where you don't even know, are they going to be here? Are they not going to be here? Are they going to show up drunk? Are they like, are they gonna punch yeah. me in the face? Yeah, like if am I, I gonna say the wrong thing at yeah. the wrong time? And Are they like, gonna take my off? drugs? <laughs> Pretend to be a cop and steal my shit. Yeah, exactly. Are they gonna impale themselves on a fence? I gotta say, of the whole Robin Friday saga, I kind of want to get the book about him now. Yeah. It, it is. Oh, if he's got a book, I'm reading. It. Yeah. Well, you just wait until the next segment, dude. All these cult heroes are insane, and a lot of them have books, and it's really cool. Um, but yeah, my, the thing that stuck with me most is him getting impaled on that spike and pulling himself off. That is so cool. That's got to be that the is craziest like, bit. Just imagine That's him. So just, badass. Like, he's like, motherfucker. I mean, <laughs> honestly, he was probably way. high as hell when it happened because that the only way. You don't yeah. go into shock. You're just like, well, I just got to get this piece of metal out of my ass <laughs> and just hoist yourself off the fence. But <laughs> that's wild. That's that was great. Uh, any final thoughts on Robin Friday? I'm a fan. Any final thoughts on the segment? Who the fuck is? I think I it's like a pretty it. decent this one's segment. Fun. That's pretty cool. I like that a lot. Love you want to love it? Love it. Because you're right. I feel like we never would have heard of this guy yeah. before. I, and on the Pop Elevens, it's often it's very kind of surface. Yeah. You kind of you kind of yeah. touch on a little bit, but this is nice to really get into the meat and potatoes. Yeah, if, of if you guys ever want to, he write deserved a, a deep dive. I think hundred percent. He, he really he, did. He really needed that one. That was that was incredible to hear. There's a. I really. I'm. I know. I'm like teasing the next segment so hard but there's guys in there who I'm like this is my new hero <laughs> um, anything else should we go to break yeah let's go to break all right here we go break what's up everybody welcome back we got the pop 11 on deck uh, this one's about cult heroes we're doing a lot of like biographical stuff this show I like it um, one more time for the people in the back the way I'm defining cult heroes here is people who are just important to their club, but might not be like, you know, superstars, right? So, yep. for example, Robin Friday, cult hero, George Best, just a cool guy, not a cult hero. <laughs> I mean, a little bit more than the cool guy. Like he's he's a legend, but right. he's he's very well known. Exactly, and that's why cult heroes a bit more niche. Yeah, a bit niche. Uh, I will say there are a couple players on here who are. Uh, pretty well known just because uh, I was having trouble like getting to the, the deeper stories and to be fair 
I found a lot of amazing Italian guys, and I don't want this to be all Italian guys. Mm. So, boopity boopity. All right, okay. That's highbrow high, high stuff there. Yeah. Uh, Scusi, it's all Italian. All right, let's kick it off with our New York Red Bulls legend, Buna Condul. Buna Condul in goal. Buna Condul was a Senegalese goalkeeper. He played for Colorado Rapids and New York Red Bulls. He may not have been the most gifted. He may not have been the longest tenured. But one thing is for sure. When he was between the posts, it was always Buna time. <laughs> That's right. In, his, in the first game of the 2007 season, he arrived wearing traditional Senegalese garb and made a diving stop in the last minute to secure a 2-1 win over DC United. In an interview that year, he created his trademark phrase, Buna time, which grew <laughs> and spread as a chant in the supporters section. Uh, this guy was like... If you look up his highlights, it's crazy. He just like comes out of the goal and he he like is a very aggressive goalkeeper. There's some one particular highlight where he slides out, kind of gets the ball a little bit, but the attacker still manages to take it back. And rather than turning around and like backing up to get back in goal, he just stands right there in front of him. He doesn't dive down to collect the ball. He just stands there and the the attacker's thrown off and he actually just kicked it right into his hands. <laughs> yeah, man, I'd be like, what, what's going on here? <laughs> I'm not used to this. He now, he now runs a, um, a goalkeeping camp and I tried to connect with him on LinkedIn, but uh, to no avail. But you might ask, what is Buna time? Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Buna himself said it best in this interview with CNN. Buna time, the way I see it, the way I kind of come up with it, be the best on the field. Whatever you do in life, as long as it's positive, it can be bona time. If you're in your, your name is Aisha, but right now your job is your reporter, Aisha time. You're gonna be, you're gonna try to be the best on whatever you do. When I step on the field, bona time. When I'm off the field, just regular person, it's bona time. When I'm home with the family, bona time. Even my religion, it's bona time. Try to do everything. At your max. So after later on, you don't regret anything. That's why Buna time is all about positive. Anybody can take it and make it their own time. But when it's when it's Buna time, you know it's Buna time. When it's Buna time, you know it's Buna time. And I actually really love that idea. Like it, yeah. he's right. Like yeah. you know, because it is about positivity and not regretting anything. It's just so funny, Buna time. So. Everything is Buna time, bro. He's 24-7 in Buna time. Yo, That's nuts. for you, what do you do? You're out here producing? You're producer Eric? Yeah. It's, it's Eric time. It's Eric time. It's, no, this, right this is Alexi time. You no. absolutely killed it with, with, Buna. with, with all the segments. That's <laughs> well, Buna time. It's Buna time. Uh, so that's Buna Condul. He's in goal. Uh, what time zone is that? What? Buna, Buna time? All-encompassing, bro. Plus six GMT? But I, don't, I don't understand. Um, here's the thing. The next person on this list... Yeah. This is like the the biggest name who is kind of, he's he's kind of a, a big a big deal. So this oh, one, okay. I, you know, I will say. Okay. This is just my little preface. Okay. Well, next up, we have John O'Shea. He might be the biggest name on the list, so some folks would debate his cult status, but in our opinion, he fits the mold. O'Shea was a hard-working, versatile player who could play any position. That was proven in 2007 when Man United faced the Spurs. 
United no, Goalkeepers. Just, just Spurs. Just Spurs. Spurs. Why is everyone put Spurs. the everywhere? You got the Spurs. Spurs. You said the MLS. The MLS. That was me, bro. Oh, um, sorry. I, no one saw I pointed to Jordan. It was know. Eric time. I had to, had to give it go. <laughs> <laughs> Eric time. <laughs> right now it's Amy time. Amy so time, I can Amy say time. things however I want. Um, United goalkeeper Edwin Van Sar suffered a broken nose. Van der Sar. Van der Sar. Van Amy der Sar. Time. Amy time. <laughs> But United had already used all of their subs. O'Shea stepped in to save the day, denying his countrymate Robbie Keane from scoring and securing the win. Later that season, he came on as a sub for renowned striker Wayne Rooney and scored the winning goal against Liverpool. That season, his shooting accuracy, no, was 100%. Yeah. No, that's yeah, wild. Every shot he had was on target. Wow. And 80% of his shots ended up in the net. Not bad for someone known for their prowess on the defensive side of the field. And of course, United fans will most fondly remember O'Shea nutmegging. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Oh, nutmegging. Oh, no. It's like, oh, it's like a, <laughs> really? it, it's called the tunnel sometimes. <laughs> it's where you pl play the ball through someone's legs and you collect it on the other side oh, so you okay. make them look a fool. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah. I'm the ca I'm the ultra casual <laughs> the ultra here, okay? Casual. Oh, no, <laughs> we, You know, one day we do. <laughs> so distraught. <laughs> he really was. Um, Eric time. You Eric's, know, one day, one day we are going to do like, maybe this should have been in an earlier episode, but like the terminology. Oh, we'll, we should we'll, do, yeah. We'll get there. Yeah, we should do it. We got to um, test the casual. But yeah. for now, with the terminology. I just learned oh, what not We could do a game where like we make up fake definitions and she has to pick what it is i like games oh. wait so okay way, so anyway he's not um someone. he was most fondly remembered for nutmegging the legendary louise figo louise figo figo john o'shea nutmeg louise figo bro i would pay to as the that. highlight of his career skills bro tackers <laughs> that's the o'shea tackers <laughs> Um, O'Shea had lengthy spells at Man United and Sunderland and also was a cherished member of the Irish national team. The president of Ireland, Michael D. Higgins, called him one of the most inspirational, committed and admired members of our national teams. John O'Shea That's was pretty high honors. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm surprised that you I don't know. Maybe you do like him a lot. I'm surprised you don't feel more strongly about mm -hmm. him, producer Eric, because you're talking about total football playing every position. That's John O'Shea. Bro, um, I did not know that he was actually came on and played keeper and actually had a save. I, I think was that in the league? Yeah, I didn't that put this. In, I didn't put league. this in here, but when I was doing the research, I'm pretty sure he is the only player to ever play every single position on the pitch for Man United in their history. Every single position. He played. He's played every single position. He literally There's every single no position. There's no way John O'Shea was playing like on the wings. Does this computer in front of you have internet? <laughs> <laughs> left winger John O'Shea yeah bro you're saying I, could, I could google Look John O'Shea up. left winger I, I do vaguely remember reading something about how John O'Shea was basically the blueprint for guys like uh, James Milner like these yeah. every man who can basically slot in anywhere not the best player on the team but highly versatile can really stick him anywhere and um barca has a guy like that sergi busquets they are not sergi busquets uh, sergi roberto sergi roberto yeah. yeah they play him absolutely everywhere bro john o'shea fucking legends. but he normally played defensive yeah he, he mostly yells yeah, like a defensive mid pretty but much then like a center he, back no he's like a center back wasn't he he was a center back okay primarily 
Allegedly. He's also a goalkeeper. Not hearing, he's he's, he's yeah. a keeper and a forward, <laughs> and he's played everywhere, so he does it who all. knows anymore? Uh, oh, yeah, producer Eric, I actually just see him typing on his laptop. He pulled, he just ordered a John O'Shea kit. A John O'Shea, <laughs> jersey, a John O'Shea uh, original jersey, bro. Uh, look, it's a Sunderland kit. Of course, black cats all day. <laughs> Not going to lie, I kind of want a Buna one now. Buna Condor, Buna legend. Oh, Buna time. Buna time. Uh, it's okay. Buna time. It's, uh, to- it's uh, Tony Hibbert time. Tony Hibbert is the next one here. Uh, when it comes to Everton's cult hero, there is not much room for debate. The answer is obvious. It's Tony Hibbert. Hibbert joined the youth team in 1991. He moved to the senior team in 1998, and he retired in 2016. He dedicated 25 years to that club. Uh, so he is kind of like a one-club man. If I remember correctly, while I was researching the one-club men, he was actually one of the guys who I was looking at, but I ended up omitting him because he wasn't. All that interesting. I also have a gigantic uh, cult heroes short list over here. Oh so God. when you oh, there's a lot of if, names if, on that. Yeah, list. yeah, yeah. So oh, big legs. <laughs> yeah, thank you, bro. Thank you. Uh, I've been practicing. Is that how it works? <laughs> uh, I uh, so I got names. If you want to do a cult hero, and I got I did all the research for you. I put too oh, much. I put you. too much shook on there, you, bro. You're too kind. Of course. Too much shook's on there. Yeah, but he's not on our list. But he's on my, my short list. My Whatever. Look, boy. Back to Tony Hibbert. Ooh, the most get me worked <laughs> up over here, bro. Easy. <laughs> the most surprising stat from Hibbert's tenure is probably the fact that over those two plus decades, he scored a whopping zero goals in competitive play. He's a center back. He's not expected to score, but after 25 years, you're expected to not bundle a man. Bundle one hole. Give him anything. Let him take a pen for God's sake. His goal drought led to the Everton supporters hanging a banner that read, if Hibbert scores, we riot. (laughs) Uh, To reward his dedication to the club, Hibbert was given a testimonial match in 2012 against AEK Athens, which is, uh, I I believe, a far left uh, aligned club, which is fucking solidarity. Love it. As fate would have it, this was the lucky match where Hibbert would score his only goal. Amazing. He was he. They had a, a free kick, and normally Leighton Baines was on free kicks, a free kick wizard. They said, fuck it, Tony, you can have it. And he just struck it, and it went in, and s- scenes of celebration were sparked. Fans spilled onto riot? the pitch. They rioted. You bang him in, I, I put a little link there if you guys want to watch the video, but fans spilled onto the pitch. They, like stormed the pitch everyone celebrated with Tony for his only ever goal I love ever that Tony. no way man off so a cool. direct free kick so he cool. just bangs it yeah he banged oh it oh my <laughs> god spectacular people, no, and this be, wasn't the end of the match it was like 50 minutes yeah exactly. <laughs> look at him look at him he's like do I hit it do I, uh, what people, do I hit? Uh, people were like damn they should have had Hibbert on free kicks <laughs> Like he's fucking something from the training around. ground too. Look at that. So cool though to see the fans all spill oh, yeah, onto the pitch. I'm watching the run around, now. celebrate with him. What a moment, man. Like those are the stories, those are the good stories of soccer. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's so much like beauty in the game. Um I don't know if it exists anymore though. Um so <laughs> Oh my god, it was it was not a good shot either. <laughs> no, <laughs> he, just, it just, he just drilled he it just low drilled and hard it. and it yeah. somehow trickled in and passed a bunch of guys. Um we we lined up our pop eleven this week in a three four three. So you're gonna close okay. out the defensive line here, Amy. Okay, so next up we have John DeWolf. DeWolf, DeWolf. Uh Dutch Dutch guy, I think. Not all cult heroes are as tenured as O'Shea or Hibbert. Next up is John DeWolf, a Dutch center back who earned cult hero status for his performance over just one season and partially for his name. 
the aptly named DeWolf found himself on his way to Wolverhampton in 1994. The manager was so impressed with him that he made that he named him captain. Yeah. DeWolf was captaining wolves. How fitting. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> a little bit of a mouthful. Uh, later that season, DeWolf would go on to score a hat trick in the FA Cup quarters. Pretty remarkable for a center back. Unfortunately, injuries combined with managerial changes cut DeWolf's career at Wolves short, and he headed back to Holland in 1996. So for me, this is like, this guy is a cult hero because this man literally played like one year, maybe yeah. two at the club, was a captain, scored a hat trick, had the same name as the club, and then left. It's yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's nuts. Like, like a little tornado. He just like came in. No and- one would know him unless you're like a Wolves fan. And you would remember him really fondly. You go, oh, I was our captain for a couple of years. Like, yeah. That's 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 score a hat trick as a center back is wild. Yeah. It was fucking nuts. Wow. Um, moving on into the midfield, we're going to get a little political here. This is a. Uh, Italian guy named Paolo Solier. He played for uh, Pro Vercelli and he played for Perugia. Uh, a lot of this, I will, I will preface, comes from a guy named Will McGee. A lot of uh, this research is from an article that he wrote for Vice back in the day about this guy. Uh, and uh, Will McGee runs a project called Cult FC with a K, K U L T F C. It's a really cool project. So there's a newsletter. Uh, he's a brilliant writer. Go check it out. Subscribe. Uh, Solier, Paolo Solier, a working class hero among leftist Italian soccer fans. He's best known for his iconic pre-match photo of him dressed in a red jersey, long sleeves, holding up a clenched fist. He's got shaggy hair, a bushy beard, uh, and he was, if you look him up, literally you type in Paolo Solier, that's the photo that comes up. It's on the cover of his book and everything. Uh, Solier, a communist was active in left-wing political activism throughout his football career, and he would perform that clenched fist salute before every match in a show of solidarity with workers. When Solier started his career, he was employed in a fiat factory, and at the time, factories were hotbeds of left-wing movements in a divided Italy. Around the time he started his soccer career, Italy was going through their hot autumn, which was characterized by a series of strikes across various industries protesting against inequality. This was the late 60s. Uh, This would grow into what they call the years of lead. Uh, This was a period of unrest, violence, and upheaval that was marked by a wave of both far-left and far-right incidents of political terrorism and violent clashes, and this would last well into the 80s. This was like, uh, it was, Italy was crazy for like two decades. Mm -hmm. Uh, Solier did not support the violence, but he believed in the movement. He said, quote, 1968 has contributed to the social and civil progress of Italy. I think feminism, ecology, movements for civil rights, everything was born then. The main failure, if failure is the right word for it, was the illusion that we could change the world. The world has not changed, but the 1968 movement made it a better place. He continued his raised fist salute through all the lower leagues, but as his career got bigger, he was signed by Serie B club Perugia, and he was torn on whether to continue doing the salute. Because he was like, now people are actually watching me. Mm. And he said, the fist was natural. I did it in the lower leagues in my early career, turning to my companions in the stands. When I arrived in Perugia, I thought, do I do it again or do I stop? Uh, He ended up continuing to do it. Uh, At the peak of his career in 1976, he released an autobiography called 
Kicks, Spits, and Headers, the autobiographical reflections of an accidental footballer. So even he called himself an accidental footballer. He was like, I'm just a fucking communist who happens to play soccer. <laughs> uh, he discussed his association with the wor- Workers' Vanguard, which was a uh, organization in Italy in the 70s, and their newspaper, The Daily Worker. He discussed Italian society, the ethics of the dressing room, and the political implications of the game uh, in his book. What I found interesting was that he did not support the idea of ultras. He believed that they were wasting their energy on match day while remaining politically disengaged. Um, there's a glowing neon sign pointing to Eric. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa. <laughs> are you politically disengaged? Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, in his book, he wrote, the supporters say, let's just get the banners ready and all is well. It's really a shame to see so much creativity, so much energy channeled into the condom of the stadium. Thrown away. Wasted. Oh, man. I love this guy. This guy is sick. He hated signing autographs. Uh, in his biography, he wrote, this issue of signing autographs is really a dangerous mania. These hurried scribbles are an example of one of the rules of this system to give value to things that don't have any. And as for the iconic photo of him, fist raised, furrowed brow, messy beard, in 2013, he said, I never liked it. And not because of my closed fist, but because of my grumpy face. I'm not a grumpy guy. I like to laugh. And uh, to this day, he remains a divisive figure in Italy. So uh, I want to read his book. Yeah, dude. It's uh, You can get it for free, actually. There's a free PDF of it online. Because the place oh. that published his work, they translated it to English, made it free. That's I love sick. that. It's pretty sick. Or it's like pay what you want or whatever. Cool. Um, all right. Up next in the midfield, we have our boy... Robin Friday. If you listened to the previous segment, you already know all about him. But in a nutshell, he was a Colt 45 drinking, police impersonating, LSD taken, three time divorcee who impaled himself on a spike, kidnapped a swan, joined a hippie commune, danced naked, robbed a graveyard, grabbed defenders' nuts, and at the end of it all, scored tons of goals and won Reading's Player of the Year. Over and over again, over and over and over. What a legend! Over and over. Um, Yeah, he's a legend. Eric, would you say he's your new favorite player? He's up there. He's for sure, a hundred percent up there. Top five, maybe. I'll tell you what. Recent new players. Recent (laughs) new players. That I've just heard of. He's top five. Top five recent guys I've heard of. Well, you know who's number one for me? This guy. This guy right here that I'm about to talk about, Ezio Vandrame, the goal poet. I read about this guy, dude, and I was like, this <laughs> is now poet? the goal poet. This is now my new favorite player of all time. Like, literally of all time. Oh, I can't wait to hear That's it. why I want to talk to Luch- uh, Luciano. Luciano. I want to talk to Luciano about this guy, because I'm like, do you know who this guy is? Uh, he played at Vicenza. He played at Padova. Uh, I made Vendrame the captain of this team because, plain and simple, he seemed like the coolest character. On his Wikipedia page, he's not just listed as a footballer. The first profession listed for him is writer. And I love when art and sport meet. Uh, Vendrame, he grew up an orphan, and he ended up a player described as a genius, icon, and symbol of a football that no longer exists. Mm. Soccer wasn't always the first thing on his mind. Regarding some of his play early in his career, he was quoted as saying, I played on the wing, very wide, right on the touchline. Only after many games did the coach understand what I was doing. It's because I wanted to stay in the shade. (laughs) 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 Which is like, hey, that's kind of me. He had a cheeky thing he did when he wasn't being pressured. If he had the ball and he had time and space, he would sometimes stand on top of the ball with both feet, 
put his hand above his eyes as if he was scanning the field for a pass. So it's almost like some Kasi Flavor type that, that shit. That is yeah. exactly yeah. Kasi Flavor like, oh. from South Africa. Yeah, he's bro. like, you want to wow. give me, you want to give me some time? I'm just gonna stand on the ball and like look around for a pass. <laughs> wow. Uh, he's often viewed as a player who never lived up to his potential. Vendrame dazzled as a youth player. He had a good run with Vicenza before moving to Napoli, where he had a falling out with the manager. He only played for them three times, I think. He then moved to Padova, where there were three incidents in particular that made him a cult hero. Incident one, in a dull 0-0 game against Cremonese, which had been fixed beforehand to be a draw, Vendrame wanted to entertain the crowd, who were understandably bored by a predetermined 0-0 draw. Ezio received the ball near the opposing penalty box. He turned around. He dribbled all the way back towards his own goal, beating his own players in the process, faked a shot, rounded his goalkeeper, and stopped the ball on his own goal line, he then turned around and started playing again. Legend has it that a fan died of a heart attack, <laughs> to which Vendrame responded, if you're faint of heart, don't come to see my matches. <laughs> uh, at some point, Vendrame befriended Italian singer-songwriter Piero Ciampi, who introduced him to the world of writing and poetry. Vendrame respected Ciampi so much that during one match, he noticed Ciampi in the stands and so he stopped. The, he picked up the ball up with his hands, stopped the game, and went over to pay a tribute to Chompy. He wanted the crowd to recognize that he was there, so give him a round of applause. Like, hey, this is a great artist who's here. Uh, Vendrame said, "Football becomes a very vulgar thing in front of a poet like Piero." <laughs> um, I don't think that I put any further stuff in this about him, but I want to go off script for just one second. So him and and Piero Chompy, their relationship was very interesting. They were like artist friends and they would like you know get together and write and talk about art and get super drunk and get in crazy arguments and that was unfortunately like kind of the last they left on that note um they were drunk in a tavern and you know uh piero they got in an argument piero stormed out and then that was the last time they ever spoke because she was found dead um and there is a video that's a really really touching video from the 70s sometime or maybe it's the 80s maybe it's even the 90s because he looks pretty old yes yeah, probably the 90s uh Ezio was on a program and he kind of read a poem that he wrote about uh about um Ciampi because he meant a lot to him it's like his best friend and that's the last time you got to see him uh I went into a discord that I'm a part of and had someone tra uh, translate the poem so he said he just read this on, on national TV in Italy and he's, he looks just devastated as he's reading it but he says the, the poem is the sidewalk was crumbling worn out by waiting and by unforgettable footsteps I the only guest out of fear rushed into a tavern and callousness having broken out didn't come out again therefore I don't know if you're still on distant lights in the meantime between nothing and nothingness arms crossed over my head I prepare myself for anything and continue to sing and it's just like a soccer player to do that. Wow. That doesn't happen anymore. He, he's an intellectual. He's an intellectual. He's a he genius, reminds me bro. A little bit of uh, Andrea Pirlo. Yes. A little bit. Well, here's yeah. Pirlo comes up later, not in this guy, but later in this in this eleven. So that was uh, the picking up the ball, stopping the match. That was number two. Here's the third thing that really made him a cult hero. Uh, Vendrane once was offered 7 million lira, which I think with inflation and conversion is like $40,000 uh, current USD. Uh, he was offered 7 million lira to play badly and throw the match. He accepted the offer since his normal bonus was only 22,000. So 7 million versus 22,000. During the match, however, 
the opposing fans were jeering him and insulting him and like, ah, oh, you're playing like shit. You're so trash. You're so trash. And he was like, fuck that. He got pissed and he decided to show them what he could actually yeah. do. He went on to score twice and they won the match 3-2. Uh, his bonus was, he ended up getting 40,000 lira instead of 7 million because he got a bonus for scoring. When we say you go down in the fourth, you go down in the fourth, man. He, his, his second goal was particularly remarkable. This is from Il Nostro Calcio. Vendrame lines up to take a corner kick. First, however, he blows his nose with a corner flag. Oh. He's quoted as saying, how disgusting those players who blow their noses with their bare hands on the pitch. <laughs> and he then declares, facing the stand, that he will put the ball into the net from the corner kick. And he does just that, scoring an Olympico. Needless to say, he did not get the seven million. <laughs> but it's so great that he went to the crowd and said, Watch this! I'm gonna score. Blows his nose into the quarter flag after leaving then, all, then, all the boogers on the corner. How many of these matches have been fixed in this story alone? The Who first knows? one was yeah, a nil-nil draw. Then Italians the second one. And the match Listen to this. At one point, he's playing AC Milan, and he nutmegs Johnny Rivera, Italian fucking legend. He nutmegs Johnny Rivera, and he feels bad and immediately apologizes. <laughs> he like turns around in the middle of play and just like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Because oh, he said, he says, because Johnny was an artist of football and humiliating him like this, even if mine was an instinctive gesture, I was very sorry. Uh, after his career was over, he went on to coach youth teams, but he ended up getting fed up with the parents, so he quit. <laughs> and he said, quote, I would only train a team of orphans. Oh, God. <laughs> in, in, oh, man. in 2002, he published a book. He's actually published nine books, but wow. he published a book in 2002 called If You Send Me to the Stands, I'll Enjoy It. <laughs> so it's, it's really great. Uh, a couple other side notes I have from his life. Uh, com he, these are quotes. He says, I hate the holidays viscerally. On 23 December, I lock myself up at home writing my poems and playing the guitar. I reemerge after epiphany. The weight of the holidays is unbearable for me. Um, in 1969, it's the last bit on him. In one, you gotta remember, he was an orphan. Uh, in 1969, in one of the coldest winters in living memory, Vendrame decided to buy himself a proper coat. It cost 70,000 lira. The average salary of Italians in those days was 120,000 lira a month, so he spent over half a month's salary on this coat. While walking through Siena, he saw a gypsy boy asking for charity, uh, and Ezio didn't think about it for a second. He gave him the coat, and when he was asked about it, he just said, he was colder than me. So, oh, this guy is like such I a know. warm. He's an artist. That's what yeah. that's what soccer doesn't have anymore. It doesn't have artists. <laughs> Empathy. Yeah, it's, it's all just, gone. It's just money it's now. All bro. Money. It's, it's all money. It's all money and haircuts. Yeah, <laughs> money it's all vanity, dude. It's so, yeah. it's so shitty, wow. bro. Yeah. And political was, statements and, yeah. and all that I like nonsense. the political statements. Though. But for, not even... But the political statements the, are also rooted in money. Right, yeah. It's like, how can we latch on to a cause that's going to get us the most money? Not about I love an honest. Problems. I love an honest political working like class footballer. That's why I like Paulo Solier. But yeah. this Ezio guy is an artist, bro. To me, like the closest thing is, it's going to sound weird, but it might be in a way like Zlatan, maybe in a way, but he's not really a, an artist like that. That's what's weird. He's just cocky. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's like Zlatan minus all of the empathy. Zlatan is the most self-centered <laughs> asshole ever. Yeah, that's true. Um, Amy, you want to round out the midfielders here for us? Yeah, uh, we have up next Mehmet Scholl. Mehmet. Skoll. Skoll? No, Scholl. Scholl. Mehmet. Yeah, Mehmet Scholl. Among Bayern fans, Scholl is a familiar name, but on a general scale, it may have faded over time. Regardless, Mehmet 
Skull. Shoal. Shoal. Like Dr. Shoals, like yeah, the foot Dr. things. Shoals. Dr. Okay. Shoals is what you'd be known as <laughs> from now on, Amy. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I used to have a Mehmet Shoal jersey, Byron, and I would wear that to training when I was like young, like I was like 11. And uh, the, the, the guy who, he wasn't like our main manager, but he like coached us for our training sessions. He used to play for Columbus Crew or something, but he called me Dr. That was That's like that's funny. what he called me because <laughs> because I use because of Shoal right. Shoal. Yeah. Um, okay, regardless, Mehmet Shoal is one of the most creative midfielders to play for Bayern. He was like on and off the pitch. He was liked. He was liked. He's Louise increase the liked. increase the font size, Amy. <laughs> on and off the pitch, yeah. I think I need to turn my brightness up. But unfortunately, he suffered numerous injuries. As a matter of fact, Scholl was the unlucky, had the unlucky honor of being one of the mo- one of the best German players to never play in a World Cup. Isn't that weird? That sucks. Just because of bad timing with injuries. That sucks for him. He was so beloved in Germany, though, that over 100,000 supporters signed a petition to get him on the 2006 World Cup squad. Unfortunately, uh, the boss, Jürgen Klinsmann, wasn't convinced and he left the 36 year old Scholl off the team that's I know why oh that's that goes Klinsman's history of uh, checkered past of decision making I guess I don't know but I love Klinsman I love Klinsman uh, yeah, well, I, why couldn't they just let him on? The, like, even if he well, didn't, and also, he well, it's not up spots. to the people, Amy. Yeah. And and he's he's old, but, but he's only thirty six. But, but like, only thirty six. No, in soccer no, I know. That's like that's like, like. I'm actually with Amy. I think that they should have because only because it was 2006. It was in Germany, bro. Like, yeah, let Mehmet Scholl on the fucking team. He, he especially like if you have one person in charge for a reason, it's because of things like this yeah like, and everyone wants one guy in the it's team. germany they don't the give a fuck about your feelings him. bro like, if, if i was on play, that team if i was managing that team i would have taken him yeah and but i also feel him like and started him if he was <laughs> and then lost <laughs> they are they did <laughs> so they did bad anyways um all right anyway during his career he released two comp <laughs> two compilation mixtapes hell yeah featuring songs from the flaming lips Mercury Rev, Cake, Coldplay, Oasis, Jimmy Eat World, and more. I'm immediately what? downloading these after this show because <laughs> yeah. I want to listen. Those playlist. are some great collabs. Like <laughs> yeah. how? Like how well, do you it's, get? It's just, those? it's just a mixtape. He's not on him. It's him comp making a comp. Oh. Yeah. So it's like him making mixtapes for like he's like, hey, I love these bands, so I put a comp yeah, out. No doctor, oh. Shoals, DJ Show. I thought he was like like DJ Remus. Show. Yeah. Um, he's got okay. all, all the bangers on there. <laughs> no, that's what I call music volume. Sure. <laughs> Good one. That one petered out. <laughs> Lost all the moments. I was, I was waiting for the ending and <laughs> quite the anticipation. It's very anticlimactic. Um, he also hosted a monthly radio show. So very much into music. We love it. Yep. Also a bit of an artist, if you yeah, will. Hell yeah. Nowadays, he's taken up nine pin bowling <laughs> and supposedly is a Buddhist according to Wikipedia. <laughs> um, so he's found he's found some Zen. Yeah. How how is he a Buddhist? I is gotta it, ask him, dude. Isn't he a Turkish guy? Yes, well, I mean, Turkish originally? descent. Turkish yeah. descent. What do you mean how is he a Buddhist? I think he's anybody can, you can't switch. <laughs> you're allowed you're not to like switch locked in. You're like locked in <laughs> yeah. when you're bored. <laughs> Who let this guy switch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they trade you gotta trade one though. They had to send a Buddhist over to yeah. the that was a trade. Eye for an eye. Um Let's move on to our three strikers at the top. I'm going to start with this guy. His name is Dario Hubner. Um, the name does sound uh, 
German, but he's just German descent. He actually is Italian, born in Italy, does not speak any German. Hmm. Uh, he's played for Cesena, for Brescia, and for Piacenza. Um, here's the thing. A common through line among these cult heroes, obviously so far, there's been two, really. Working class mentality or art, because that's just the ones I picked. Uh, Dario Hubner, he's no different. He's very working class. Uh, although his name appears German, like I said, he's actually Italian, and he was born in Muja, which is right near the Slovenian border, coincidentally from the same state as the goal poet Ezio Vendrame, right? So they're churning out motherfuckers over there. Mm. Due to his large frame and woolly hair, Hubner was known as Il Bisonte, which is the bison. And although he was known as that, he preferred to call himself uh, Tatanka, which is the Sioux word for bison after he saw Dances with Wolves. <laughs> And he was like, I, I want to be called Tatanka. Love that, Kevin Cosner. Uh, Dario left school at age 14 to start working as a bakery boy. Then at 16, he became a blacksmith in an aluminum window and door factory. And that's when Dario, just for fun, started playing soccer at 16. Uh, his quote from this was about leaving. He said, that was a real job. Then I became a footballer, and it was simply the thing I liked to do. Sounds like my origin story. My dad know. owns a metal shop, and now I'm a baker boy. Oh, shit. You went backwards. <laughs> I went backwards with it, yeah. Uh, Next on the docket is a footballer. Yeah, the ripe age of 35. Put me in, coach. Uh, and then he's going to become a Buddhist. Uh, <laughs> Hubner played for his local amateur team, and then he was discovered, and that's when he began his meteoric rise. You, you guys are going to be impressed by, by this guy's career. During his time at Brescia, Hubner gets a chance to play alongside a young Andrea Pirlo and an old Roberto Baggio. Hey. So he gets to play alongside both players. It's insane. Rega Icons. Regarding Pirlo, Dario said, he was a phenomenon, very polite, the strongest I've ever played with. Uh, Hubner was such a talented goal scorer that the hard-to-impress Fabio Capello said of him, Hubner has been among the top three or four strikers in Italy for 10 years. He has the wickedness of a great goal scorer. He moves like a true center forward. And it was true. Il Bisonte is one of two players to have led Syria A, Syria B, and Syria C1 in goals. He was the lead goal scorer in all what? of these leagues at different wow. times. Banging him in, isn't it? There's always a vice, however, and with Hubner, it was Sigs and Grappa. Hell yeah. <laughs> the, the Brescia president even said, Without grappa and cigarettes, Hubner would be the strongest of all time. Mm. This is a quote from Hubner himself. Before taking the field in the underpass, I always smoked. Just a few puffs, eh? Not the whole cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Even between the first and second half, it soothed and relaxed me. Everyone had their own. Some got massages. Some drank mineral salts. I went to the bathroom and lit it up. Did the coaches complain? No, they knew, who, they knew that's how I was. I liked grappa too, but I didn't show up to matches drunk. In 2001, he was offered a big money move to the Premier League. He was offered a move to Leeds. Nowadays, you take the bag, but he turned it down because he wanted to stay near his wife and play close to home. Respect. Aww. That's dude. a chance Respect. to rapper shit, bro. Since Cigarettes, cigarettes. <laughs> cigarettes and loving Love his wife. wife. <laughs> this guy is like the chance to rapper of fucking channel Based his whole persona off Well, of we this found guy. his inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got a, yo, I got a chance to rapper a rundown of this guy. You got to uh, reach out. Since retiring, he plays now with amateur futsal players as a goalie a position that he enjoyed playing in pro in practice sessions as a pro. He liked playing goal, and now he just chills and fuck, plays pickup. He lives in uh, a place called uh, Pasarera, which is near Crema, in a renovated farmhouse. He's the technical director of the Lori Academy, which is a team of disabled kids. He owns a bar with his brother-in-law. He tends a vegetable garden, and he loves going fishing and mushroom picking. <laughs> this wow. guy did it right, man. He did it 
beast. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like he's he's, he's living the life. Played he's with living Baggio, out his best life. smoking cigs, drinking grappa, and banging in goals. Yeah, banging him in in all the leagues in he's every single league. In, yeah. yeah, the Holland of every Re- single league. Rejecting in Italy. the money. Yeah. to stay to, in Italy yeah, and just chill with it's, his wife, dude. This guy's living the fucking dream. Yeah, I, I love guy. this guy. What a boss, man. Yeah. man. Respect to this guy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Up next, we have Norbert Dickel. Norbert Dickel. <laughs> Norbert Dickel has been the stadium announcer for Dortmund for over 30 years, starting his announcer career there in 1992. And while that's what he's known as today, Dickel was actually an influential player for Dortmund in the 80s. In 1988, he scored a hat trick against Hanover, which was at the time the fastest hat trick in Bundesliga history. Pretty impressive. Hell yeah. The following year, he scored twice in the cup final against Werder, Werder Bremen. Ver, Ver, Werder? Werder? Werder Bremen? Bremen. Yeah, Werder. I'd say Werder. Uh, leading Dortmund to an eventual 4 1 victory. Dickel unfortunately struggled with injuries seems to seems to be a theme in my stories today <laughs> uh, and played his last match for Dortmund in December n- 1989 scoring a last minute equalizer how crazy is that wow, the, so the last time that he kicked the ball he scored like a it was like a 90th minute equalizer he bangs yeah. him in in it <laughs> so he didn't really play like his career really wasn't that long yeah he, it was it was <clears> kind of a, a bummer after his retirement he worked a few different jobs including as a salesman of driving drums for conveyor belt systems then for fitted kitchens and finally a job with a sporting goods manufacturer that's like the most german ass jobs to have like they're like we uh i manufacture driving <laughs> drums like all right norbert like these <laughs> that's good yeah, yeah. we uh, have great deals <laughs> in these drums uh in Fine. 1992 norbert Norbert, or Nobby, Nobby as as he's known, (laughs) took over the announcer job for Dortmund. However, he did a lot more than announce, including identifying sponsors and cultivating contracts in lieu of a proper marketing department. He put those uh, those sales Sales. skills to use. How amazing is that, though? He gets like this is like, again, just totally different time. It's not even that long ago, but 92, he gets. He gets on as a announcer yeah. and is like, yeah, I can go close to deals like too. Also like running yeah. their marketing <laughs> department. <laughs> bye, 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 bye. Rule number one, always be, be closing. Always be always closing. closing. Now, 30 plus years down the line, Nobby says, I still regard it as a great honor to have this job. I am just as nervous before every match as I was before the first one. Yeah, good old Nobby. Very Dickel. humble. That's awesome, yeah. Uh, rounding out our strikers and all of our players, then we got a chairman and a manager for you. But rounding out our players, Igor, Igor Proti, which is uh, weird. Igor is like, you know, Russian name or Proti. East, Eastern, Eastern European, European. Very Eastern European. But Proti, Italian. And also very Italian yeah, at the same this time. Guy, this guy's a beast. Uh, so the other player, remember I mentioned Dario Hubner was one of yes. two. One of two. The other player to lead Syria A, Syria B, and C1 in goals is Igor Proti. That's insane. He actually wow. had a great quote about it. He said, it's a great privilege being the capo conanieri. That's the cop, like the top goal scorer, capo top conanieri. striker. Being the capo conanieri twice in Syria C, once in Syria B, and once in Syria A. Yet sometimes I ask myself, do top players play in Syria B and Syria C? <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, yeah, I guess I'm the best, but I wasn't even playing at the highest level for a lot of it. Uh, his career started at... Livorno, which another left-wing club, let's fucking go. But he wasn't turning any heads. 
Proti had all the makings of a journeyman, but in 1992, at age 25, he started to bloom. So age 25, you know, it's, eh, it's uh, maybe it's a little far in your career. He stood 5'7". He had long, ragged hair and an unkempt beard. He was no nonsense, though, when it came to scoring goals. Even more surprisingly, he was a good header of the ball. For, and he's 5'7". How many goals did Messi score with this head, right? Fucking short, short guy. Quite uh, a few. I'll have well, where's now. that sandboard when you need it? <laughs> yeah. uh, Proti helped Body get promoted to Serie A, where he scored 24 goals, but it wasn't enough, and Body went right back down. He then earned a move to Lazio, which is whack, because they're like fascists. But he couldn't impress, and then he went to Dijana, where he, again, helped the club get promoted to Serie A. He finally returned to Livorno, where he played out the rest of his career. They loved him so much there. This is the coolest thing about him. They wanted to retire his number 10 jersey so no one could wear it again. But Proti's love for the club was so great that during the ceremony, he said the number 10 jersey, he doesn't want it retired because he wants to, quote, give somebody back the dream to wear it one day. So he was like at the ceremony when they're going to retire. He was like, actually, no. <laughs> but we so, planned this whole thing and we we're going to retire the jersey. So pretty amazing that he was like, you know what? I want someone else to have the joy of wearing number mm-hmm. 10 like for Livorno. It's fucking lit. So shout out to him. Um Let's move on to our manager. This guy is a fucking baller. All right. We have Barry Fry as our manager today. Larger than life figure Barry Fry has been involved in soccer in England for over 60 years. He played at nine clubs and has managed eight, claiming to have been sacked 37 times over the course of his career. Why? Like, uh, he sounds really proud of that. <laughs> uh, that's right, 37 times. In an interview with the sportsman, Fry said of his time in charge at Barnett, for five years at Barnett, they couldn't pay me or the players half the time. I'd be with the chairman on a Friday, tell him the team I'd pick for Saturday, and he'd go, I don't like your team, Barry. You're sacked. <laughs> and off I'd go. I'd be back in on Monday. He was a lunatic, but I loved him. He was mad, though. It was mad, though. They were good times, if a bit turbulent. Uh, Sounds like it. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Of his 30 years managing, Barnett was the first club to stick, and Fry spent a seven-year stint there. And when it was over, rather than seeking something less turbulent, Fry went all in on chaos. Love it. Oh, yeah. His next big stint was with Peterborough where he played every role you could imagine. Fry told the Daily Mail, the club was in bigger shit than I thought, reeling off a list of problems that include employees stealing from the club, including employees stealing from the club. It was a hellish ride for 10 years. 10 years. (laughs) I was manager for 480 odd games, not very successfully, but I kept the club going, going one way or another. I mean... 10 years yeah, like, to, to like stick keep, around 10 yeah, years but keep, keep, keep going because it turns into way more than 10 oh, years God. at one point Fry had to take over as the team's owner <laughs> what yeah. to keep them from falling into bankruptcy oh, yeah. he told sports media outlet the sportsman I was a fool I've got no business expertise whatsoever <laughs> and I didn't know what I was letting myself in for I had to sell my house in Portugal no, take a second no mortgage way. on my home took my pension out early and had a testimonial against Manchester United that brought in 250,000 pounds. I took over the deeds to my poor mother-in-law's house so I could access an overdraft. Jeez. 
It was a stupid thing to do. I'd already had two heart attacks, and there I was heading for a third. This guy is so dedicated to Peterborough that he's like, I'm just going to spin all the plates I can. Yeah. This man's like sweating, like the papers flying everywhere. I can't home believe in Portugal. Yeah. He, he was willing, put his mother in law's house yeah. at risk. Like, that's he's just absolutely willing to risk it all. That's and that's Again, why they love him, though. Yeah, that's well, why he's a legend. Sense. Again, Fry in an interview with the Daily Mail. At one point, I was the owner, chairman, and manager. That's at the same time. All I ever <laughs> wanted was to be a silly manager, but I had to find 150,000 pounds every month to pay the wages. I'd be up until 5 a.m. trying to work out where I was coming from. At one point, Fry let Sky Sports have full access to the club to make a documentary in exchange for them covering Peter Burroughs' wages for three months. <laughs> <laughs> for the three months they filmed. That's actually like, that's that's pretty genius. smart. Pretty it's genius. an incredible deal because genius. listen to what happens next. That turned out to be a genius move from Fry as the documentary was seen by Irish real estate mogul Dara McAnthony. McAnthony was moved by the documentary and took a liking to Fry. A few weeks later, McAnthony showed up to training with black cars, security, all the things a multimillionaire would have. Fry recalls, I said to me, chief exec, Bob, the fucking mafia is here. <laughs> so after that would be kind of like sketch. alarming you're like wait what is happening yeah. uh after they met and chatted mcanthony deposited hundred and fifty thousand pounds into the peterborough account as a show of goodwill fry ended up selling the club for a symbolic one pound with mcanthony paying off all debts and promising to keep the current staff for at least a year Fry was moved to director of football, which he still is to this day. It's bloody exhausting, he says. We have a meeting at the beginning of the year and I'll say, we're going to lose four million pounds this year. And Dara will say, OK, I'll put two million pounds. You need to find the rest and I'll look at what player we can sell. I mean, yeah. that's like that's cool. It's, it's a good, pretty it's a good great, they it's a have relationship. like yeah. somebody to they, like, you know, in, bankroll the whole thing. right in, to like in, continue in, to put money yeah in my research they were considered they were called like someone had called them like uh the england english football's odd couple because it's like yeah this young multimillionaire and this like 75 or 78 year old dude who's like been around the league for like ever, who has you know? seen it all and been yeah. through it all yeah we need to do a cac doc yeah sponsored <laughs> by dr Scholes. there you go uh and the selling has gone well fry brokered a deal sending ivan tony to brentford in 2020 for a club Whoa. record 10 million dollar 10 million pound deal yeah they bought Shit. him for three hundred thousand, and he sold him for, it was technically five million, but there was five million in add-ons. Add so ten yeah. million. That's yeah. wild. Did yeah. not know that. Nearly Wheeling and dealing, Barry Fry. <laughs> Nearly four decades dedicated to Peterborough, and it's easy to see why fans love Barry Fry. From the Daily Mail, I'm just a silly football nut. He grins. All my mates are retired with their feet up, but I couldn't imagine that. I get up at eight o'clock, go to work, banter with the lads. I love it. I never want to pack it in. Never change, Barry. Never change, Barry. That's awesome. I just I love that he's so like dedicated and passionate to something that I mean like yeah, he doesn't it, it's not it's it more was, than a job, you know. Yeah, like you don't it was essentially a lost cause and yeah. he was just holding on to it yeah. for dear life. Like taking yeah. out his pension early. Yeah. Putting his just, mom's yeah. house up. His mom's like, house is on the it, line, yeah. bro. I like, guess that documentary crazy. was a good Mama. idea because that's had that not happened, that. they wouldn't have met 
uh, McAnthony. I gotta say, when I was reading that, I was like, damn, bro, that, like, gives me a little bit of hope as, like, an artist, because it's just like, okay, cool, all that matters is, like, because we, we, made, we made a movie, me and Amy made a documentary, right, like, last year, and I was like, I'm, you know, sometimes I'm down on it, you're like, ah, fuck, no one's gonna see this, doesn't matter, but... If one person who matters sees it, that's that's what can change yeah. everything. That's all it takes. Sure. That's and why it really, you, you got to do it for the love, yeah, not, not for the money. That's what I was gonna that's, say. That's it, lesson learned. It'll put in perspective what your dream is if you're willing to literally pull out all the stops to keep it alive. Yeah, like, that's I, crazy. I actually that documentary is on YouTube. I haven't seen it. I have it pulled up, but yeah. it's called. I think it's called. Yeah, there's only one Barry Fry. <laughs> it's fucking seems amazing. Um, so the last one to round out this this uh, pop eleven. It's kind of a, a sad one, but uh, but also there's a lot of hope in it. It's uh, Vichai uh, Srivadana Prabha. That's how oh, I'd say it. Oh, man, that's a mouthful. Man, it sounds Russian. <laughs> Srivadana Prabha. He, he almost got it. He's Vichai Thai, right? Srivadana Prabha. He's Thai. Um, yeah. he, I'm going to call him Vichai for the rest of this because I'm not saying Steve Adana Prabha again, although I just did. Uh, <laughs> everyone knows the heroic 2015-2016 Leicester City team that won the Premier League beyond all odds. And if you're a Foxes supporter, you definitely know the chairman, Vichai. Although, in my opinion, it is impossible to be an ethical billionaire, Vichai was as close as you can get. In 1989, he founded King Power, a duty-free retailer in Bangkok, Thailand. And over the next couple decades, King Power grew and grew, and it became Thailand's primary duty-free shopping brand. Uh, Vichai loved soccer, and the first English match that he watched was the 1997, he went and attended this in person, the 1997 FA Cup Final featuring Nottingham Forest and Leicester City. That was 1997, that's the first team he saw play live in England. Um, Leicester won that final, and with it, Vichai's heart. Nearly 15 years later, in 2010, Vichai and his son Iowat bought the club the following year vichai became chairman iowat became vice chairman back to buddhism here vichai believed heavily in the buddhist principle of karma and specifically thought this would impact lester's results he built buddhist temples he supported monks he often had them bless the players and sometimes even vi had visited the monks home in thailand he had the players visit the monks home the monks flying to england to see the players became a common sight so he would fly monks in to bless the players. Vichai gave prayer space to the monks next to the referee's dressing room at the stadium. Uh, Leicester midfielder a Andy King explains the situation. He says, it takes a couple of minutes, and if it means they've done as much as they think they can to help the team win, then so be it. We enjoy doing it. The club has gone from strength to strength since Vichai has taken over, and we always trust his judgment. Vichai prayed with monks every match before every match he attended since day one so every single match he prayed with monks in 2015 and 2016 it all paid off as Leicester 5,000 to 1 underdogs won the Premier League I should have put a tenor on that 5,000 to 1 it's, yeah. it's literally the most underdog story in soccer history underdog story yeah. like ever told maybe it, in like, soccer history it's number one it's insane. we actually watched it like unfolding could not believe what we were I watching was, yeah, I, I could not believe because I refused to get any of their players yeah, on my fantasy <laughs> team and they were hauling every single week and I was like, nope, I'm not touching them. It's unsustainable. Cool they can't off. keep it up. Every single week yeah. people were like, oh, okay, but it's early. Oh, okay, they're yeah. still there, but they're not going to stay there. Was, like, at what point did people start 
realizing like even match, winter, match week thirty eight <laughs> the last was, fucking week it came down to the last week yeah it was actually like in the winter when when everyone's like they might actually take it yeah uh, and that's when everyone started to put in a bunch of cash into yeah. into the markets and the betting yeah. but everyone was afraid and of all the, money the Arsenal curse which is every time we're sitting on top of the league by Christmas yeah but uh, December's just, yeah December's when for Arsenal, you know, like they're gonna bottle it. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool, they're, they're gonna lose. We got uh, pretty far. We got the April to celebrate the win. Vichai brought eat, or he bought each player a new BMW i8 sports car. Oh, so wow. that's over 19 cars at 100,000 pounds each. Here, because here, right off. here's the sad part. Sadly, Vichai died in a helicopter crash, Kobe, in 2018, just outside King Power Stadium, the very Damn. venue that saw so much success for the club. Uh. He they took off and then it just went down. So yeah, he used to fly him and his son, and I think one of like you know his assistants and stuff. Yeah. They used to fly to the matches. So before the match, he would land in the middle of the field. Helicopter would take off. He'd go up into his box. At the end of the match, stadium clears out. Helicopter lands, takes off, and he. So the, his son wasn't with him that day. Yeah. When he took off, apparently I, I read into this something like you know malfunctioned in the tail rotor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chopper lost control, crashes in the car park, and Casper Schmeichel, who was the first team uh, goalkeeper at the time, saw the whole thing. Yeah, and they had he to like super, wrestle him to the he ground. He actually like ran out there to yeah. like try to help. Yeah, but, like there yeah. was they had to like hold there wasn't him anything down they could do. He was inconsolable. Yeah, because oh, it, so it was just it was just engulfed, tragic. In yeah, um, he was beloved by the community. His funeral lasted eight days. Uh, a fan, speaking of uh, Vichai's impact on the community, said, he took us to the highest high, but that night was the lowest low, the worst moment in the history of Leicester City. Casper uh, Schmeichel said, I think it's safe to say that without him, none of us would be here. The history, the memories we've made together as a club, as a family, probably wouldn't have happened. A BBC journalist summed up Vichai's everlasting impact on Leicester. He said, he celebrated his birthday by handing out cake. He bought drinks for traveling supporters. He bought breakfast and scarves for those on away trips. The family have put up millions of pounds into the club and lots and lots of money into local hospitals and children's care. They have put Leicester on the map worldwide. So shout out to Vishai Srivadanaprabha for fucking being the goat billionaire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, that's a good story. He's doing this all the right way. I mean, he walks so you know guys like Ryan Reynolds and and Wrexham and stuff could run because yeah. everybody wants to do this now. Everybody sees these clubs that were you know that have a history behind them. You can throw some money behind it, but for the stars to align to do what Leicester did is one in, in a trillion. Insane. Yeah, sorry for taking up uh, so much. I just like when I went in these, I was like, these stories are so fucking good. Yeah, yeah I mean, these this are awesome. This was awesome, though. man. Yeah, this, this was really um, good. For honorable mentions, I wrote, there's too many to name, so we'll have to do Cult Heroes Part 2. <laughs> yeah. Producer part Eric, two. you got yeah. your work cut out for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Number two. Oh, I'll, send, I'll send you my short list. It includes a lot of names like uh, Wagner Love and oh. Jimmy Bullard. Wagner oh. Love. Oh, Wait, Jimmy. Jimmy. The Bulldog. Let's get into next week's picks. Uh, so, Jordan, you're gonna run this and we're just gonna tell you what we picked. next week picks okay yeah you see because you, you you refused to pick so i said you get to run it where are the picks they're at the up very top, top up top up oh, top, top come on jordy up, top, get up, with top, the top, program oh my god all right so next week picks this is gonna start with the women's world cup third place third match place. it's gonna be 
Sweden versus Australia. Sweden versus Australia. So you want me to go through everyone's picks? Or uh, why don't you just read the matchup and then we'll tell you what our pick is? Okay. So so Sweden versus Australia. I'll do the first one. <laughs> uh, I, I picked Sweden. Cool. 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 Awesome. Awesome. I man. got Australia. Um, I'm taking Australia because I want to see the home team get some sort of Same, medal because me it's home field advantage, man. It's it'll be an amazing story. So yeah. All right. looking forward to that one. I went Sweden. All right. So next matchup is Spain versus England. I got Spain taking the Women's World Cup. All right. I got Spain as well, and I'm locking that in as a classic cup final 1-0. Okay. England, baby. It's coming home. It will never <laughs> come home. The men couldn't Stop do it. it. <laughs> so it's up to the ladies. <laughs> ladies, ladies, ladies. Ladies drink free. Um, um, all right. <laughs> oh, so this next one is, uh, Leagues, is League's Cup, Leagues right? Cup yeah. third place match. Third mm. place match. Philly versus Monterey. I got, I got Philly. I got Philly as well, just because I think Monterrey at this point are like, we've traveled so much, fuck this shit, we don't even want third place. Yeah, this whole thing <laughs> has been on the road for the Mexican teams. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. Um, it's going to be Monterrey. Here we go. You think so? Okay, we'll see. Rayados. Vamos, Rayados. I would love to see <laughs> Vamos. Monterrey. Vamos. <laughs> I'd love to see Monterrey win. I think it'd be good. All right, let's see. Um, next matchup is Nashville versus Miami. The, the, the final. League's Cup final. Yeesh. Come on, guys. You know, I got Miami. You already oh, know. Yeah. I got Miami. <laughs> you already Fuck y'all know. with the plastic <laughs> no. shit. Hey, no I didn't Nashville. say I'm a fan. Oh, I'm God. just like, they're going to win. I think I need glasses. Did Lex say Nashville? I'm saying oh, Nashville because God. they got Hani Mukhtar. They got Walker Zimmerman so anchoring. Yeah, they got <laughs> Walker Zimmerman anchoring the back line. So much code. And my boy, working class hero, Dax McCarty. I love Dax McCarty, and I want to see. He is a boss. He's dude. a I boss, like bro. Dax, I love yeah. Dax. So no nonsense. Let's go Nashville. Let's go Nashville. Give Pessy that L, bro. That little <laughs> tiny little Marcel the shell with fucking cleats on, bro. Come on, oh, Lex. Drinking I mean, from a thimble, sleeping he... in a matchbox ass, bro. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa. whoa. Yeah, 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 man. That's right. I said I don't give a <laughs> rat's ass, bro. Guys, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Inter Miami. Living he, in an ant farm in Boca Raton. One of the worst teams in the MLS, all the way into the final, and yeah, they—he's a beast. They've been performing well. You—you you can't knock it. I—I I know Lexi's gonna hit, but yeah, w- without a doubt, I think it's gonna be Miami. Vamos, vamos Nashville. Uh, next matchup: Columbus versus Cincinnati. Yeah, we're back. MLS regular season. MLS regular back. season is back. Um, I got Cincinnati on this one. I got a draw. I got Columbus. This is the Hell is Real Woo! Derby, by the way. This yeah, is a big one. Hell is Real one. Derby. Real. And you're living in it. All right. Hell Red Bulls versus DC United. I got DC. I got Red Bulls. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I think it's at it's in it's in, in, in it's, Red Bulls yeah, in New York. Yeah, it's a home team. In Jersey, I Last guess. minute change. I'm going draw. Oh, God. Wow. I like it. Okay. Last I minute. I saw it happen in real time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is this? The... Canadian Derby, Toronto versus yeah, Montreal. Yeah, this is not. This is it's a, it's a kind of a Derby full week. I, I got a draw. I got a draw as well. I think both teams are kind of shit. Montreal, baby, and it's Canada. There's gonna be very polite. It'll definitely be a draw. You said Montreal. You know what's right? funny? You mm-hmm. say it's polite. Last time they played, They're there the, was like they had a fight. There was bust ups. Yeah, there were crazy the bust ups, and then the next match had to be. They didn't allow any opposing fans in. Hmm. So. Interesting. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> very interesting. <laughs> uh, NYCFC versus Minnesota. I got NYCFC. Uh, this is my lock. I said 2-1. I got Minnesota. Draw, baby. Love it. We're all over the board. <laughs> I'm with Amy on this one. NYCFC 2-1. 3-1. to 3-1. To I'll say it. Another plastic team. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's not like I want them to win. It's just who, what's my prediction of what's going to happen. 
don't back down. Don't don't let him. I'm not. I'm not. Don't, don't let him win. Yeah. Right? The pace. <laughs> don't the, let him have that. The pace at which Jordan runs picks is like a snail's pace. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with the whole reading thing. Houston versus Portland. Uh, I got Portland. I got. Always got to go for Portland. Got Portland. This is my lock. It's gonna be Houston three Houston to one. Yeah, tell you what, it will Portland be, it, in the mud. It will be hot down there. Mike it will be Jones? hot down there. Hot. Portland's have been chilling for a little bit, and they're actually good, good, good club, best club. What's been happening? So. What's been happening with all these MLS teams who aren't in in the league's cup? Vibing. They're just chilling. Yeah, I mean, you, you get they're knocked out, you start vibing. Training. They're chilling, resting, training. They're doing it all. They're traveling to Houston. <laughs> and to Miami beat doesn't the have Dynamo. any rest or Nashville. Thank God, they don't have any rest. The seventh, they're they're going to continue right in the, into the season. Yeah. Wow, dude, that's tough. Yeah, it's weird. That, that's pretty rough on them. Oh well, Chicago versus Orlando. Chicago draw. Orlando. Both teams oh. are shit. Um, so that's why I picked the home team. He's an Orlando homer, though. That's his. That's his club, really. In reality, Orlando. Yeah. I I remember I was a Orlando Magic's fan way back in the day. <laughs> when I was a young boy. <laughs> are they My around father? still? <laughs> they're around. Oh, they're owned to the city. They're like a really controversial team because they're what? owned by like a fucking fascist, basically, and they like invest money in like right-wing causes and they're really really weird team hmm. um, cool 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 and cool. they're also really bad i just said yeah. that to everyone else <laughs> <laughs> i mean you did say used to you i might be making an apology in next episode <laughs> <laughs> all right jordan get us through these fucking picks <laughs> st louis versus austin everyone's got a story to tell uh i got <laughs> city i got st louis i got st louis austin okay vancouver versus san jose i got san jose i got vancouver Draw. Man, I did most away teams. I'm just realizing. Weird, weird pick week for me. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Seattle versus Atlanta? Uh, I got Seattle. I got Seattle. Atlanta. Hmm. The Galaxy, LA Galaxy versus the real Salt Lake. I got uh, the real RSL. Salt Lake. Yeah. Wow, you both went? RSL are crushing it right now, yeah, bro. RSL, after this transfer window, are a brand new team. They, they might be like, on. honestly, they're... You, you could realistically see them winning cup. The MLS yeah, cup. this is going to be. I mean, this is the first time matches are happening after the transfer window, right? Mm -hmm. So, or like league or league matches, I guess. Yeah, yeah like the, yeah. I said, LA Galaxy. <laughs> although it's it's really interesting how like all these all these teams like they they constantly change like. Th it could be horrible like one week and then like they're just absolutely flying. That's and, parody, baby. Welcome yeah. to American sports. Yeah, MLS has got it's, the it's parody, insane, bro. Man. It's insane, man. It's amazing. I can't keep up. It's, it's pretty tough. <laughs> and final pick, LAFC versus the Colorado Rapids. LAFC. It goes without saying. LAFC. Sorry, sorry, Debo. I'm going to tell, yeah, tell Debo, you guys. Yeah, I know, Debo. This one's for Debo, best. baby. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> You're getting the draw. <laughs> <laughs> taking a point taking a point off of LAFC. I love it. Um, I will say, uh, you know, you were talking about the the unpredictability of it and how, like, it's got your head in a, in a twist. There was a, a tweet that I liked the other day from this guy named uh, Alex Abnos. He uh, works for The Athletic. He said, if you're already bored with the sheer predictability of men's European club football, allow me to suggest MLS, where the first place team was one of the league's worst ever teams a season and a half ago, and the last place team has Lionel Messi. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's, that's about true. it. That's about it. Um, what a fucking episode. Sorry for packing it so full. Uh, what are we most excited for next week? 
Uh, the Leeds Cup final, you know, will Miami take it all? Yeah. I think they will. I want to see Alexi a little, a little frustrated, a little pissed I, off. Oh my God! I, I want I more pessy slander. I, I will be. Uh, I'm excited that the regular season is back. Yeah. All the derbies. I'm just pumped to see. I'm pumped to turn on the TV and see all the MLS teams playing again. MLS 360. Yeah, let's fucking go. Obviously, I'm excited for Premier League FPL. You know, I can't get enough of that. And I'm excited for more producer Eric Slander on the, on the pod. <laughs> so c- keep it coming. Hit us up with the electronic emails. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm actually still in shock that the Luton match was canceled. That is so weird, crazy. To me. Yeah. They're not ready. Stadium's not ready. Uh, that's wild. Yeah. What do you got? You got anything you're excited Most for? excited, again, uh, like producer Eric said, uh, Fantasy Premier League is back up and running. It was a long three months this summer. I had to watch a bunch of weird things that were football adjacent. But <laughs> so is, that, is that what you call MLS? Yeah. <laughs> football adjacent. I'm trying to be whoa, nice about whoa, it, right? Whoa. I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to get canceled here. That's fucking hilarious. Um, all right, Amy, give them the plugs. And then let's get the fuck all out right, y'all. You know where to find us. We are on Twitter at Calling Casuals. Send us your tweets. Uh, hit us up. Send us, you know, just whatever. Let us... We I forgot we're on Instagram now. Oh yes. Meet me on a gram. Okay, perfect. I will introduce our mm. Instagram. You can hit us up on Instagram. Give us a follow. We are at Calling All Casuals. Instagram.com. TikTok at Calling All Casuals. And you know we love to read your emails. Uh, you know Eric, Eric let it slip earlier. Our inbox is empty, right. so fill it up. Calling all casuals at gmail.com. Thanks, y'all. Yep. Uh, make sure you uh, keep on keeping on, keep on tuning in. We're going to have a lot more cult heroes coming up next week when Eric puts his together. Uh, and Amy, thank you for doing the show as always. Producer Eric, thank, thank you for making that long haul drive from Connecticut. Yes, Jordan, thank you for... Uh, also doing the same thing i guess and running us through the picks and listener thank you for listening and don't forget to keep it casual a shishkin productions podcast